powered from the Perdomo Cigar Studios on the Black Stage in Indian Trail, North Carolina, and broadcasting from the Drew Estate Studios in California. It's episode 256 of the Primetime Show. Tonight, we welcome back Pete Johnson of Tatawahe Cigars as our special guest. And as always, the Primetime Show is sponsored by Saga Cigars. De Los Reyes introduces another chapter of the saga, Saga Celez. Celez is a Spanish word that means leisure after work in the spirit of the standing ideal of owning your own journey and making your own saga. The Saga Celez is a perfect companion to enrich those moments of choice, making them truly yours. Saga Celez carries a blend of Criollo lore and Peloto Cubano wrapped in a selected Ecuador shade claro wrapper that generously delivers with elegance a surprisingly rich and balanced smoke. It's available in three sizes at affordable price. Ask your retailer for Saga Celez. And by Perdomo Cigars, awarded Nicaraguan Cigar of the Year in 2014 by Cigar Journal, the Perdomo 20th anniversary brand has consistently earned the highest scores in the industry and is a top seller in humidors around the world. The Perdomo 20th anniversary blend requires tobaccos have been carefully hand-selected and a well-aged for a minimum of eight years. The Perdomo 20th anniversary is offered in three distinct wrappers, a smooth, creamy Ecuadorian Connecticut, a rich, earthy Cuban seed Nicaraguan sun-grown, and a dark, oily Cuban seed Nicaraguan Maduro. Combining these beautifully bourbon barrel-aged wrappers with thick, high-priming binder and filler tobaccos gives each blend a balanced complexity with layers of rich flavors and smooth, elegant aromas. Perdomo Cigar is a family-owned and operated company. It's headquartered in Miami, Florida, manufacturing and agricultural facilities in Esteli, Nicaragua. Perdomo's acclaimed cigar brands include the Perdomo State Selection Vintage, the Perdomo Double H 12-year Vintage, Perdomo 20th Anniversary, Perdomo Reserve 10th Anniversary, Perdomo Bono Bourbon Barrel Age, Perdomo Lot 23, Perdomo Mensa 70, and many more. For great tasting notes and pairing information, check out the Perdomo website at www.perdomocigars.com. And by Cavalier Geneva. Cavalier Cigars, Cavalier Cigars, Smoke Gold, Stay Gold. Join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars and on Facebook at Cavalier Geneve Cigars. That's Geneve, G-E-N-E-V-E. Visit your local tobacconist and join the movement that is Cavalier Cigars. Consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high ratings by the cigar industry press. You want to follow them on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars. They do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. That's Cavalier Cigars, Smoke Gold, and Stay Gold. And finally, by Drew Estate. Dark, bold, and unapologetic. Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is an intense journey into the uncharted, deepest, darkest, and heaviest depths of Maduro tobacco. A masterpiece collaboration by Metallica's James Hetfield, Sweet Amber Distilling's Rob Dietrich, and Drew Estate's Johnson Drew. The All Maduro Black and Cigars M81 by Drew Estate is a rich and powerful, but beautifully balanced cigar offering tantalizing notes of leather, chocolate, and espresso that's perfect for life celebration and times of reflection. And remember, you can find all the live streaming for the California studios for the primetime show, as well as say that again. That was a that was a flub in the middle. Remember all the live streaming for the Cal. Uh, let's try this one more time. And remember all the live streaming for the primetime show, as well as the California studios for the primetime that uh, show is sponsored exclusively by Drew Estate. Boy, I really messed up this commercial file. Is all I'm going to tell you guys. <laughs> I, I must have corrupted it because all the wording was messed up. Don't ask. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody. This is Primetime, uh, episode 256. Will Cooper, I'm in the Perdomo Cigar Studios uh, on the Black Stage. I'm joined cross-country by my friend and colleague, Mr. Aaron Loomis. 
I would typically ask you how you're doing tonight, but I think this is the start has pretty much let us all know how, how, how okay. the evening so, is going to so, go. So to give you an idea, I couldn't find the commercial reads. And what happened is it looked like I copied and pasted something into the file, which kind of like messed it up. So the, the, the last read for Drew Estate was like, I, I have to apologize to them, but um, I have to clean up the file. I don't know what happened to it. Um, I must have just been really tired when I was updating that. So um fun way to start the show especially when i couldn't find the file but uh but uh good uh good to be here tonight aaron yeah um it's uh i don't know how the weather is like by you but we had a beautiful day out here today like mid 70s and uh uh here yeah not quite that high we're uh like right around 62 or so so but uh i was out right before the show i was out uh throwing batting practice for the for the softball girls tonight for about an hour so uh nice to kind of relax here and take it easy the rest of the night are you are you coaching the team or are you uh... i'm not the head coach but i'm a assistant coach um i don't want the responsibility of being a head coach uh in this day and age with uh kids youth sports uh, it is a very different uh animal than when i played youth sports so right now is she doing regular softball or is it t-ball uh, uh no she's regular softball so oh, wow yeah. oh wow yeah. good for her yeah. Good for her. So, um, she's on the Astros, so starting with a winning team right off the bat is pretty yeah. good. So, kind of go from there. No, that's a. What kind of Astro? I forget you. You may have mentioned. What, I haven't seen that. They haven't. They haven't handed out the uniforms yet. So practices just started uh, the beginning of this month, and then uh, games will start uh, beginning of March. So, we'll probably get uniforms in the next couple of weeks here. Very nice, very nice. That's always a uh, uh, always fun. Um, and at eight, they're already getting their names on the back of their jerseys. Which, when I was a kid, like you never got your name on the back of a jersey until you maybe played uh, ball as an adult, maybe. So uh, yeah. it's very, very different world I'm experiencing now. I was let me put it like this: the I was not the best baseball player, but. I was like, let's put it like this. There was no way I, once you get to the older levels, like where I grew up, it's um, Staten Island where I was playing eventually. It's so highly competitive that like, mm. I mean, and you've heard the stories of like 20 year olds playing in the little league world series. I mean, that's yeah. how yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, that's what, <laughs> when, I mean, so there were guys, I just, there was no way I could compete with them. So um, yeah. my, my little league career uh, ended very, very quickly. Um, to say the, <laughs> to say the least with that. Um, but uh, no, it's good. It's good to have you back. Uh, we'll be back here. Actually, we're getting back into the rota rotation for things. Um, so without further ado, let's welcome in uh, our special guest tonight. He was very patient, and as I flubbed through this commercial thing, uh, he's the one and only Pete Johnson of Tatawai. So, guys, Pete, welcome back to primetime. What's up, guys? How is it going? I actually, I actually stepped into the scene for a second by accident because I, I like snorted. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was getting a little laugh out out of some of the things you were saying. Sorry about that. <laughs> I um, didn't mean to it, interrupt. No, your, no, it, it's all screen time. It, no, no, you're all good. Uh, it's like it's Matt Boost was I think completely destroyed at once. Is all I'll just tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't it can't beat that. L leave it to Boothy. Yeah. 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 No. Uh. But uh. No. It's 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 pretty good. Uh. As well. Um. You are uh, you're home in Miami, which is good. I'm home in Miami. It's a big week for us because uh, we have kids uh, in school, and one of them is a senior in high school. And uh, last night they played 
on the the semifinals in basketball, and they're going into the finals on fr- tomorrow night, actually, for the nice. district finals. Um, so we're excited to we're we're excited to see them do well, uh, better than their second half at least from last night. <laughs> right, man, talk about stressful. Like they, this is not a big team. This is a smaller team. Uh, our senior is six foot four. Um, I don't know where. Maybe the chick McNuggets from McDonald's that, that just sprouts <laughs> all the growth hormones. <laughs> um, but now, dude, even our youngest one, I looked at him today. I go, "What the fuck happened to you?" Like, he's he's about to start getting just taller than me in like two weeks. Like he went through a growth spurt in like a couple weeks. I was like, "What's going on?" Wow. Um, yeah, and I'll eventually be the second shortest person in the house. Obviously, the <laughs> wife, but she's she's still taller than all of them because she can beat their asses with right. a chancleta, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, my uh, unfortunately, my boys they all caught the uh, the short gene from my wife's <laughs> side of family, except for my middle son Peter. He's low. He's I think he's pretty close to six foot, uh, but but he's taller than me. But everyone else, yeah, they didn't height didn't treat them well, unfortunately. So. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, again, the, this, these kids are on the smaller side, but they're quick and they're good. Yeah. And uh, normally, you, you know, one of the coaches is actually um, a Cuban guy that played on the uh, Cuban national team. Yeah. Uh, Angel, one of my my favorite people in the world. Um, I love seeing old pictures of him standing next to Jordan. But uh, who is, to me, still the GOAT. Let's not go yeah. there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I don't. I never go there because I think I, I have. A, I don't like comparing players from eras. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard because it's hard. you know Bob Cousy is still one of the goats for me. Yeah. You know, yeah, John Havlicek. Yeah, John Havlicek, Bill Russell. Um, but I, I, I tell people I'm a Sixers fan, and if LeBron James came to my team tomorrow, I, I'd, I'd be happy, and we would probably win a championship with him. So yeah, there you go. And so. But, uh, uh, yeah, so last night, real quick, last night they played against Hialeah of all schools. And uh, the first half, they, they, they ended the first half like up 36 to 7. Wow. And <laughs> somehow, and somehow Hialeah came back and started like getting three pointers like there was, like they were free. Yeah. And I, I started bringing up jokes about they had Burroharia going on. And- <laughs> <laughs> and they must have stepped around some chickens in the locker room. <laughs> you know, Hector Alonso would actually probably appreciate these jokes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I told all the dads, I've become like a basketball dad, but I told all the dads, I said, listen, let's hope that that was their worst half of the yeah, whole exactly. season. Right. They got it out of the way. I don't think their coach was too yeah. happy, though. No, their coach was not happy last night. But uh, yeah, we're excited. We're hoping they they won districts last year. They they lost in regionals, but uh, we're hoping they go out with a bang this year. All right, so I got to ask this question, you, Pete. You're the basketball dad. You're at these games. You're at the other dads. <laughs> did they did they know you're the cigar guy? I mean, did they know you as a cigar yeah guy? yeah? It's it's funny because uh, they know my wife is the cigar girl too. Right, right. I was um, gonna ask that too. Yeah, because. Um, my wife sponsors a lot of things at the school. Again, this is like a cigar school, though. George Padron went to this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, one of Christian's kids went to the school. Leva, uh, 
Placencia. Like, there's a lot of people that went to this school. George's kid went there. So it's become like noted. Like, you go to their their annual fair, which was last week, you're going to smoke a cigar. Okay. Yeah. That's it. You know, that they have a cigar booth there and they have a cigar lounge. Uh, it's 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 a cool deal and it's it's a good school it, it's a it's an all boys school they teach you know uh, kids how to be men and uh, they become like a fraternity that's why if you think of, if you talk to George Padron about his his high school it's like it's with him for life it's more important than college so yeah I I, I love being around these guys uh, and you know everybody's in a different world and different business but the they kind of know that we're we're in the entertainment business, <laughs> right? Yeah. I was wondering about that. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That is Although, pretty- dude, I had them over the other day. It was senior night. I had everybody over. My wife and I invited everybody over because our house is the closest to the school, and we all drank uh, whiskey and wine, and no one smoked a cigar. It was just strange. I didn't even smoke a cigar, but I was okay with it. That shows me that I'm not, I, I don't always need it. Yeah. yeah. I do enjoy it though. <laughs> I don't blame it. I don't blame it at all. Uh, yeah, no, it's pretty cool. I was just what, yeah, I actually met uh, George Perdon's son down in Nicaragua at Puro Sabor. Very nice, very nice. Good kid, man. Really Real nice good kid. kid. Really good kid. His yeah. nephew also. Yeah. His nephew AJ. went to the same school. AJ, yeah. yeah. I met him as well. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Uh, so, yeah, that was the first time I had met either one. And it was super, super. They were all great. Uh, on the tour actually george george was really into it too uh, yeah you can see it but I, I never I, i'll be honest though it's probably tough for george you know not having his dad around i you know it, yeah it, it was and you know you see his dad picture it, the memory of his dad's all over the factory so they keep it they keep it going very nice there the way it's done it's very nice yeah that's a, that's a, an iconic yeah person that, that will never go away no the history lies with him sure the history lies with Charlotte. With Charlotte, so no, God, man, no National Treasure fans here. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. The history lies with Charlotte. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, the secret. The secret lies with Charlotte. It took me a minute on that one. I gotta be honest. Yeah. Enough bad movie quotes. Okay, let's go. <laughs> no, no. no. Uh, but uh, so Pete, the first question is, I, I didn't. This is kind of something I didn't know. You, I guess. This isn't a big deal, but you officially did you officially retire the Havana Sellers name and now it's Tatawahe going forward? Yeah, but Coop, there's a reason why I kind of retired the uh, Havana Sellers name. It's still going to be all part of Tatawahe in the sense of personal right. meaning to me. Right. And everybody should know that the reason why I called it Havana Sellers is because I was into wine and I was into cigars and yeah. I, I love aging cigars in a wine cellar, vice versa, cigars in a wine cellar or wine in a cigar cellar, whatever. So it was a play on words because everybody calls a cigar a Havana, you know, that thing. And of course, wine cellar instead of sellers, like I'm selling something wine cellar. Yeah. But uh, with uh, the way the, the world is now and, uh, and the moving of money, (laughs) uh, OFAC, OFAC does not appreciate the name Havana in anything that I do. Oh. So every time I would wire transfer money to the factory, it would be held up for like a week. I wire transferred something at the end of last year, actually in October of last year. And it took me three months to get my money back. 
So yeah. I said, I said, I need to get rid of the word Havana. It was a DBA. That's all it was. Yeah. yeah. Alpha White Cigars Incorporated doing business as the sellers. Yeah. It's just, I need to get rid of that out of the bank accounts. And so that when I do wire money to the factory, they don't hold it for. Yeah. I had to go to the bank today, actually. And yeah, they, you know, they have this thing called Alec at uh, Chase where they get on with someone that they can manipulate everything. Mm. And all right, yeah, OFAC is uh, questioning why, where, where the origin of Havana is. Yeah. PayPal you know, has held up uh, payments to like, cigar retailers if like the cigars that you're ordering have cuba or cuban in the name really so like so if, you you had, if there yeah. was a cigar that just you know whatever it said that you know yeah like uh, cuba yeah. aliados yeah exactly that i i had the issue with that cigar so really? i ordered from neptune i used paypal to pay it went into like review and i asked i you know i messaged uh neptune i said do you know what's going on with this and they said yes if there's cuba in the name Sometimes they'll hold it up. So it was like on hold for like review for like three days. And then they finally passed it through. So I thought that was odd, but I guess it lines up with what it's, you're saying. It's officially just like, I do have like, I would say a dozen retailers that still keep on sending out checks with the wrong shit on it. So I haven't closed that bank account down yet. Yeah. Uh, but eventually I'm just going to remove the name Havana sellers, the DBA off of the account. And just stick it with Tantawai cigars because it's just become painful. Yeah. Yeah. Every yeah. time I, I wire money to the Dominican Republic for cigar rings or to Nicaragua to cigar rings, it's it's always a problem. And it's gotten worse over the last six months. Yeah. Wow. I I, I just thought maybe you did not, you know what? Time to retire the name. So I didn't realize it was anything with that. No, it wow. took me 20 years, but it's not retired. Personally, it's not retired. Personally, not retired, but financially, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> From a DBA standpoint, yeah, it was. I think one of the retailers said something to me. They okay, they made this change, and I said I wasn't aware of it. You know, I didn't think it was a big deal. I said, let me just ask about it. No, it's, it's not a big deal. But people like someone wrote about it. It's like it was a big deal. <laughs> it wasn't. Like, oh my god, what's what's going on? They're 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 closing the company. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. No. <laughs> All right. Um. AP. Uh. Big year. For you guys, that was a un- uh, very uncomfortable. All right, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it wasn't uncomfortable. No, 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 no. I was just okay. Saying, all right, <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, but a big year for you guys. Um, and I want to say also it was a big year for the factory. Um, and obviously you were our person of the year. Uh, but the my father's cigar factory was overwhelmingly our factory of the year. It was a bit, it was, a, I was talking about the 100 años beforehand, you know, I, one of the best cigars I've had um, starting out 2023 for sure. So, I mean, it, you guys, you have to feel really good about like what's going on down at the factory right now. Yeah, dude, I, I, I have to thank my brother-in-law for, for all the hard work he does. I mean, even, even my nephew, Handy, um, Jaime's son, he really stepped up uh, and, took over a big role in the factory is living down in Nicaragua pretty much full time. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's all the work from them that really makes my life easy. So like they, they get all the credit, even every award that I get, it all stems from them. So they, they enjoy it as much as I do. Well, that's good. So I'm the person of the year because of Jaime Pepin and, and Handy's work. 
and my wife's work. All yep, all good. It's all good. Uh, we're we're happy. But I mean, it was uh, you know, like I said, it was a great year. I think for a lot of folks. You know, I didn't get a chance to go to the factory this year because I I couldn't get on that tour. And I, I thought about snuck, sneaking on the tour, Pete, to be honest with you. But <laughs> but what happened is the buses were so limited. I was afraid I was going to take someone's seat, right, you know, on the bus. I didn't want to do that. But everyone was telling me, I guess there was a lot of expansion done on the factory and stuff. Because I had seen it before, but people saying, yeah, there's been a lot of changes since I, I've seen it, which is a while ago. Yeah, Coop, uh, anybody that's been there before the pandemic won't recognize it. That was it's kind just, of the way, yeah. It's just really... Uh, Jaime, God bless him, dude. He he put a lot of stress on his his mind during that whole time and uh, managed to to build a better machine. Yep, it's it's really special. Yeah, um, and everything now is is kind of flowing nicely. Although um, after he built everything, including a bunch of bigger you know tobacco processing facilities. He ended up having to build another building on one of the farms because he had too much tobacco to fit in <laughs> oh, wow. even the new buildings. Yeah. Wow. So, and if you saw the property, I don't know if you got, if, did you go to the Oliva uh, processing facility, the new yes, one? I went there. Okay. Yeah. So you, so you passed by the yep. Oliva box factory. Did you see all those buildings to the, the right next to Oliva's box factory? Yep. I know. That's exactly. all. That's all the Garcias. Like that's all processing of tobacco. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's it's massive. And he still needed more room. Which is good. <laughs> which is good. It means that, that I have a lot of shit to play with. <laughs> yeah. I mean I've gone to I've gone to the actual you know factory. That's that's enormous too. Um I mean, Aaron, it's a factory, I can tell you. You can eat off the floor in this factory. It's so clean, mm. this factory. I, it, I'll like, tell you, Coop, now it's cleaner. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, they they tiled all the floors. Right. Uh, they expanded the factory by double inside. So right. when you walked into the factory part, the gallery, it was one side, and the packing department was on the other side. They opened that whole thing up to be gallery, and all the floors are tiled, and you have white ceilings. Papine joked that he gets vertigo walking into the factory because yeah. the white floor and the white ceiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw Pepin at he got the award. He got an award down there um, and he looked great. I mean, he looked great. Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah. Uh, he really did a very. Yeah, he got a lifetime achievement award from Poro Sabor, which is really nice. I heard I heard his speech. Uh, I heard he got the troops rallied. He did. Everybody was super. Even even the guy, uh, uh, the guys from Drew Estate said that his speech was so good that, that everybody was just like. Channing Nicaragua, Nicaragua. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a good moment. It was it was a really, really good moment. cool. Yeah, I was sitting. I was He's that type sit- of guy, though, man. He loves the industry and he he loves he loves the people in Nicaragua. Yeah, he did. I mean, I was sitting like right behind their table, actually. Uh, I was actually I actually weaseled onto the Drew State table, which was behind them. So, so yeah, it was uh it was great to see him and uh, the family, and uh, it was a good night for them overall. Uh. So good, good. I'm a little jealous. My brother-in-law and Pepin can still fit in their their suit jackets. I can't. Mm. Yep. <laughs> Somehow, I just keep on gaining weight. <laughs> oh, I have the same problem. I have the same pandemic. Just like through. I, I I lost a lot of weight though in the last two weeks. I'll just say that. But uh, after, after also thanks to Nicaragua. After coming back, <laughs> you, you got the Montezuma's revenge. Oh, yep. For the first time, I got it. Oh, 
I ended up having to stay in Miami two extra days. I couldn't, like, because normally I just couldn't get home. It was like no way I could get home. It was like the way I was. So lucky most of the worst of it came after I landed in Miami. So, uh, yeah, but uh, but we will we will put that conversation. <laughs> um, so you know, I mean, I think it was an excellent year, Pete. Um, I'm smoking the cohete. Mm-hmm. I said it right, right? Yeah. I, 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 um, I uh I coached him before the show started, so you wouldn't get upset with I, because I said it wrong actually beforehand. So <laughs> what do you say, cohetes? Uh, cohete. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you got it. You've done Pete, something you've done very interesting that I've seen. Um, you've taken these, um, you've had a lot of iconic single store releases. This was the one for Sacramento, right? I want to Yeah, that was for Mark Just over a tower. Yeah, yeah. Cause I remember I had the original one. Um, you know, it's like 10 years ago. And um, you've kind of resurrected, you've kind of been resurrected. You did it with the T110 last year, now, uh, two years ago, and now last year, the Poete. And you've kind of gone with this model of uh, playing with the rappers, too. Um, but I think it's really a cool way how you reintroduce these things to a wider audience right now. And I think it's really good for um, enthusiasts right now who maybe never had these cigars to not only just smoke those originals, but smoke some of these variations as well. I, I, I love the expression of the rapper, and I love. Uh, I love the education part of it because I, I think everybody should try their favorite cigars or whether it be mine or anybody else's. And if they, they do use internal blends that are identical, you get to see how a wrapper will really change the cigar as a whole. And that's yeah. really the point behind like Coho new 2012s or the sevenths or the Coetes or the T one tens is like, you're going to find which one you're happier with. And it, it, it actually educates your palate to kind of understand, oh, shit, I like Sumatra. I didn't think I was going to like Sumatra. I like Sumatra better than I like Broadleaf or I like right. Sumatra better than I like Habano. So that's really what it's all about for me is like educating people's palates. Plus, it gives me the opportunity to, to throw a curveball every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I remember like, going back eleven years ago. Now you, you did the Colonia 2012s, and I remember that was the first. I remember that's when you did that with uh, you did the three blends that year, and that was a lot of fun too for the same reason. Yeah, same thing with the sevens. Yeah, the seventh, uh, the seventh. I'm actually um, working on adding Corojo to the mix. That's, this is where I get into my pet peeves. <laughs> As a rapper, yeah. Yeah, as a rapper, uh, so I'll, you'll eventually probably see some of these cigars with uh, Corojo 99 Shade Grown. Uh, but remember when I came on your show a while back and I was asking you what Terrence was using for the rapper on their Maduro? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So one of my biggest pet peeves recently, uh, well, in general, happened because uh, Cigars International, I'll say it out loud, sent out a tweet to everybody and said, what's your favorite rapper, Habano or Maduro? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's that's a good choice. We're, we're going to put we're going to put Maduro in the uh, the dojo fast food uh, thing as well, I think. <laughs> <laughs> as a choice. No, it bugs me. Like, that shit bugs me. Yeah. Like, I, 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 uh, I, I think, uh, you know, Maduro for me is is a color grade and you achieve that color grade by a long process, right? Right, yeah. right. But sometimes it could be a shorter process because you're using an inherent leaf 
or a leaf that inherently can get to that, those color grades quicker, like broadleaf yeah. or San Andreas. So when people start saying, oh, yeah, Maduro is my favorite. I had a buddy <laughs> of mine the other day tell me, he goes, I don't really like Maduro. I go, yeah, you do. You smoke the J21. That's, that's Maduro Habano. Yeah. Yeah. That's a Habano Maduro. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but, you know, I just don't like Maduro. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, but what don't you like? Do you not like Broadleaf Maduro? Do you yeah. not like, you know, right. San Andreas Maduro? Do you not like Arapiaca Maduro? <laughs> like, right. what don't you like? He couldn't answer me. And I love him. But uh, I had to get into this whole like educational process with him. Pete, this I wonder if this is a pet peeve or not of yours. You could tell me. Um, yeah. So this year we saw several companies come out with double broadleaf. Okay. And and I go back and say, the guy I remember who did double like not just double broadleaf but triple broadleaf was you, like. Does that bother no. you that you I'm hearing a lot of people right now. Say well, trip, triple broadleaf with, with, uh, with, uh, La Casita. Yes. But yes. technically La Duena, La Duena fits in that same True. realm because La Duena has one of the binders is broadleaf, the wrapper. Yeah. And obviously some of the filler, but I think, what was it? It was Abe that came up with triple Maduro, right? It would happen to be for Camacho. No. Was it Abe? Was that Abe? I, think, I don't was Abe was involved in that. Was I think Abe came up with triple Maduro. Okay. Abe, if you're listening, correct us, but I think it was you. Okay. But yeah, I, dude, double broadleaf. I, I never called any of them like double broadleaf or triple right. broadleaf. Or, uh, here's Jay Davis commenting. I, I literally, Jay was in Miami earlier today, so I spent half yeah. my day with Jay. So now <laughs> well, he's back I know, in I know Texas. I saw him already uh, uh, smoking the Acacias. <laughs> I can't take any credit for triple broadleaf. Uh, you know, you have double Maduro, which was Leo Gomez, I think, right? Yeah. And then yeah, uh, triple so. Maduro, which was, uh, I, I think if I remember correctly, it was a, mm. uh, with, with Camacho, though, if I remember correctly. Yep. But uh, nah, it doesn't bug me. Well, we, it was interesting. Like, but it, it's really like double broadleaf could mean anything. You could say that you know your binder is broadleaf, and, and some yeah. of your fillers binder yeah. Or, yeah. or filler is broadleaf, or the wrapper is broadleaf, and you have filler is broadleaf. Yeah. So, no, it, whatever. It came up somewhere. I don't remember where it came up, and someone said, "Hey, maybe someone will do an all broadleaf cigar." And I'm like, "It's been done already." <laughs> it's what I was telling. <laughs> like as I was saying, it's, it's you know I think and it's it's, it's a bad idea. <laughs> Why was it a bad I it was idea? A good cigar. I, I, thought I thought it was a good, good cigar. cigar. Why? I thought it was a good cigar. Because you're, you're talking about a leaf that's not meant to be like that way. You know, like <laughs> I actually, I did it, and you know this story, but I did it as an homage to old, like, broadleaf cigars from Connecticut, like yeah. Judges Caves and uh, Money Makers and stuff like that. Come to find out they weren't all broadleaf. <laughs> I thought they were. I just like their chewy quality to them. And I was like, oh, it's all broadleaf. So I'm going to make an all broadleaf cigar. And I think Jaime cursed me for, for <laughs> wanting to do it. But um, it was a good, a good expression. But ultimately, you utilize a lot of tobacco that might not get used, right? Yeah. Right. Because when, when the Garcias buy broadleaf, we're not buying just wrapper. Right. You know, we're literally getting every part of the plant and not everything is going to end up being wrapper grade. So you use it for binder and maybe some filler. Right. So it does use it, 
but it, it's a lover or hate cigar. There's no, I don't think there's a middle ground with that cigar at all. No, it's okay. No, <laughs> it's like, I loved it. Well, no, that, that's horrible. Yeah. And then LaDuane but yeah. was, yeah, LaDuane was similar, but it had other components, like you said. LaDuane was a cross between La Casita and La Riqueza. Interesting, mm. yeah. So you had Nicaraguan fillers in there. You had Nicaraguan binder um, with one binder being broadleaf. And then you had the fillers, you know, mixing with Nicaraguan and broadleaf. And then, of course, the wrapper. That's another pet peeve. Not every piece of broadleaf is considered Maduro. Because you're going to get some broadleaf that could be a rosado shade and color. Right. Or rosado oscuro, you know, a little higher than rosado. But just because it's broadleaf doesn't, yeah, just because it's broadleaf doesn't mean it's Maduro. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I live on the school of Pepin and I look at Maduro as a color grade. And uh, so everything could eventually be Maduro depending on how long it sits and how long it processes, but not, not every typical cigar that is wrapped in a broadleaf or San Andreas or Arapiaca is, can, will be Maduro unless you, let it sit and process, or you're using high prime and stuff. Same with so, San Andreas. Same with San Andreas, too. Yeah. 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 Like if I want something lighter, I mean, we use it's weird because some people will use Oscuro as a higher, darker color than Maduro. We technically use it as in between uh, Rosado Oscuro and Maduro. So you got Oscuro sitting right below Maduro. So if I say Oscuro to the factory, they know that, that I don't want to like super dark right. i wanted just a touchdown to give it that that reddish quality to it still to where the the wrapper has a little bit more life to it but i mean we we remember the old days in the in the boom where you know people would come out with a maduro cigar that was like it looked like the wrapper was rolled in in motor oil <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah yeah, and then someone say, "Well, that's a squirrel." I said, "Yeah, oh, yeah, a double a squirrel." That's another name, uh, but I mean, it, listen, man, everybody's got their own wording, you know, their their own vocabulary for cigars. We just happen to use a squirrel as as the next step before Maduro. You know, I actually years ago when I first started, when I was before I even had Coop, I remember I I I'd gotten to know Rafael Nodal, and he had a cigar and. He called it an Oscuro. I'm like, I said, how come you calling this an Oscuro? This thing is like light. And he, that's what he explained to me about that. He said, you know, he explained that to me. He said, no, this is, it's a, you know, it's a shade darker than what, what we did, you know, and that, you know, that got an education very early on on that. Yeah. I mean, again, we use, uh, we use the term a lot, uh, Rosado Oscuro. Yeah. Like a dark Rosado. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the Miami Brown label, that sits in the category for us as Rosado Oscuro. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you mentioned the Corojo wrapper. Um, you actually did release something with the Corojo wrapper, uh, this year with the uh, Veracruz Blue. Veracruz Blue, and then we started using it on the Escasos. Yep. And then the Garcia started using it with Fonseca, and then ultimately, I I fell in love with the Corojo wrapper that the family's growing. 
and uh, I figured it was time to put out the Veracruz blue. And again, a different expression of Veracruz, where you you look at the uh, the color of the darker the red one, which is a lot darker, more that Oscuro Maduro shade. And it's amazing how much the cigar will change just based on the wrapper change. Yeah, it's, it's just another expression. Yep. No, it was. But I, uh, I I've played with I've played with some higher priming um Corojo 99 that eventually I want to start using on some things but uh it, it will all take time yeah yeah um I can imagine that but I I was like I said uh Veracruz Blue seemed to be a very uh you know very nice release this year um for you and uh that uh I know you worked on that for a while. I remember you telling us at the show, you worked on that project for a long time to kind of get that blend. Yeah, because it started with Habano, uh, like Rosado Claro. Yeah. That's, that's really kind of where it sat was uh, with the Habano. But I wanted to show a bigger expression than just going up and down the plant compared to the blue. I mean, compared to the red version. Yep. So going to a different seed varietal and then still going lower on the priming, it definitely changed the cigar char- characteristic a lot. So I'm, I'm really happy with that cigar. It, it, it fits. It's weird because the blend itself on paper is pretty medium full, but I think the Veracruz blue acts more medium. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Um, I really, I really, um, I like that one a lot. And, and, you know, it's interesting because, I think you mentioned once to us, like everything kind of lineage traces back to Brown Label, right? Brown Label is kind yeah. of like the foundation. And then Havana 6, the Red Label, and then Veracruz, now Veracruz Blue. So it's kind of you're you're building this, you know, you have a foundation, but you're building this tree like up on that. I'm building this like pyramid scam. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yeah, no, everything is based. That's, that's, the, that's the route to everything. Brown label is is the blend that I know the most and the one I can dissect up and down and and change the flavor profiles of cigar to find a blend yep. that I like that could potentially be a different cigar. Yep. Yep. I mean I think it's I think it's you know we've seen you know the uh the broadleaf expressions as well so I mean there's a lot a lot with that which uh, I think it makes it very interesting too because it's amazing how these cigars all smoke very different too. Yeah, no, it is. I, yeah. If if you blind taste tested uh, people with with uh, the Veracruz blue and the Veracruz red, and you know, told them that the insides were identical, they would probably look at you funny. Yeah. Same thing with the the Kohonu series. You know, the Sumatra tastes drastically different than the broadleaf and the Habano. Yeah. Again, right. So I, I love. I love the expressions of wrapper. It does make my, my life easy because I I'm able to change these wrappers to come up with cool blends. Sometimes wrappers don't work. Right. Uh, depending on the, the style of the cigar, like someone, someone tried to convince me to do a Cabo one with San Andreas as a wrapper. I, I haven't smoked it, but I, I would suspect that it's, it's a little too overpowering. I would think that. So from if that I blend, did, yeah. I would if tell. I did a Kabai one Tuxla, I don't think it would work. I'm going to try it though. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I just, I just don't think it will work. I think I need to kind of up the volume in the blend to uh, 
to carry the San Andreas. Right. Right. You mentioned Tuxla. Um, kind of, you, it's kind of this horizontal brand you introduced, you know, this, these Mexican expressions that you started coming out with. Yeah. Meanwhile, I got rid of uh, the MEs, but the ME2 actually um, is being discontinued from the U.S. portfolio. Right. But is remaining in the international portfolio. We do, we did really well with it in the U.S., but I needed to kind of concentrate on the Tuxla series because I'm coming out with the Tuxla uh, Belonk and the Tuxla Bonchasaur this year. Oh, wow. So I, I want to kind of con, and of course, you know, Loma de Cerdo, which is the, the Tuxla yeah. version of the pork tenderloin. Right. I, I want to concentrate on Tuxla because I've finally found something with that, that Tuxla band that really says it's San Andreas. Right. I, I've been really, really good with confusing people. <laughs> and so, yeah. You like, you know, over the years I would have a band and, Oh, that's, that's, you know, San Andreas. I'm like, no, that one's not. That just has the limited band that looks like San Andreas. Right. So eventually I had to adopt that band as the San Andreas. So now I was like, screw it. I'm going to get rid of the whole, you know, secondary limited band. And I'm going to use this Tuxla band to say, yes, it is San Andreas. Kind of like Capo Especial being Sumatra. Right. Right. I, I, I like that. I think it's a really cool idea. And it's been a fun thing to smoke these cigars and say, hey, which one's your favorite, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so that's that's I think that's become a, a, a pretty interesting debate among a lot of people I've talked to this year. And it's and everyone has a different opinion on it, which is really, like, really cool about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I will say, though, that 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 I think the Sumatra in general for the Colette ended up being like the, the favorite. Even like, like, you know who Michael Fry is from Fry Boy Tobacco? Michael yeah. Fry's been uh-huh. around the industry forever. He was obsessed with the, the, uh, the Colette Sumatra and also the T110 Sumatra. So I've, I've, I've actually realized he likes Sumatra because he, he sent me a picture with the, the new uh, uh, PCA and said, you oh, did yeah. it again. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's interesting because... Uh, I think I'm in agreement that right now the Capa Especial in the Cohete days is uh, the leader of the pack for me. But in the T110, the Broadleaf ended up becoming my favorite. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's kind think, of different. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, fun to see how these kind of all pan out. You know, when we did the T110 originally, you know, Habana was obviously the easiest choice for us. Um, and uh, it was nice to be able to, to show the expressions in the other rappers. And there was a time though I wasn't, I wasn't a completely thrilled with the way Sumatra carried on that blend, and eventually either my palate changed or the Sumatra altered itself to a point where it it carried well on on that style blend. But uh, early on, I was kind of dead set against it. When I say early, this goes back to like 2010, 2011. Right. Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I get that too. Um no, so that's so so the the decision to retire the uh the Mexican experiment in the US was strictly for like a branding purpose then. Yeah, I mean we still do really well with it overseas and uh 
the one thing about that we found with our international distributors, they, they always want something, they want regular production, but they also want, they want kind of like regional shit. Yeah. That's why the RC series that we do for international distribution is continuing to be only international. You might see an RC show up in like a CRA pack, right? but it's meant to be just for international because they want, they want something that, that, you know, when people are traveling, they can get something they can't get. And it all stems, this all stems from when I was younger, waking up in Los Angeles, trying to call shops in London to try to get Arturo Fuente, Don Carlos Lonsdales. <laughs> I was like, they're only made for the UK. Are you, are you serious? I don't think they make them anymore, but these were like sizes. They only made for the UK. And I was like, I was obsessed. I, I need to get this. I need yeah. to like, so I'm waking up at butt crack early in the morning in LA trying to call London <laughs> to <laughs> try to order these cigars. And they're like, we don't ship. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's or, or it was more like, how much? No, I can't afford that. Yeah. I actually have a, this is, this was the re-release of the ME1. Yeah. Uh, but I remember, I remember when the ME, well, it was a Mexican experiment at the time. I remember when those came out, that was a fun one because, again, uh, you, you kind of gave different sizes to different regions of the country. So yeah, I remember, the original. I remember, yeah. 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 So I remember hunting down some Toros and swapping with people with that, you know, so that was kind of a, a fun thing to do. The ME2 was when we did the ME over again to do ME2, the ME1 ended up being pretty much a factory mistake. Because when we put together the blend for ME2, it went into production and they made the ME1 blend. So when I started going down the factory and tasting the ME2 cigars that were in production, I'm like, something's not right. This is yeah. not... This is not the, the the new blend. Come to find out that they they accidentally used the ME one. So the release was kind of a product of the mistake. Like shit, what am I going to do with all these cigars? Well, I'm <laughs> going to come out with them both at the same time, and now this is going to be the end of ME one completely. Yeah. And so that's how ME one and ME two really came about. That happened with the Avion, I remember, too, right? You had two Avion 13s. It was a similar thing. Yeah, but the Avion was a size uh, issue. Okay. Because when we did Avion 13, it was supposed to be Hamano like the other ME, uh, the other Avions, uh, Avion 11 and 12. Right. It was supposed to be a new expression of Avion in a different size. But when they started cutting down the Avion 13 mold, it started looking too much like the Avion 11. Yeah. And I was like, I, this is going to confuse people. So I came out with the broadleaf one and the few cigars that we had made already with Tabano, we ended up packing with the old limited band that looks like that. Yep. Yeah. I remember um, that. So that's where the confusion is because that was Habano and it just happened to carry the limited band. that looks like it's Mexican, but it's not. Okay. Yeah. Again, I've been really good at confusing people. But uh, yeah, 
it did that that was like okay we need to protect the mold and to, to avoid the, the super confusion let's do it in broadleaf and that also is where the, the confusion became even further with the reserva band and that's ultimately where i added the word broadleaf i was just asking to the about reserva that. bands yeah so if you see the band that says reserva broadleaf it's broadleaf and you see the band that just says reserva it's habano like yeah maduro or habano or squirrel right right got that yeah yeah i was gonna just ask you about that yes yeah, so that meant yeah again re really good at confusing people <laughs> no you learn along the way uh speaking of confusion i guess there was a little confusion about some of the discontinued SKUs uh this this past week too um because there was i guess when people saw j21 come up there i think they were freaking out like no more oh, j21 <laughs> One of one of uh, my biggest supporters, who I've become really close to, uh, he texted me. Everybody has my phone number, so they just text me. Yeah, he's like, "Dude, seriously, you're getting rid of Noah?" I go, "No, <laughs> like, of course not. This is the Noah has been part of our our history. Like, it's never yeah. going anywhere." Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like, "Phew," and I'm like, "No, dude, it's just the 25 count." <laughs> broadleaf box the 10 counts are still going to continue right and the 25 count regular noeas and the escaso ends are going to continue being made in miami right now yeah it was uh <laughs> i had more than a few friends text <laughs> yeah. me and say what the <laughs> fuck are you doing <laughs> oh uh, a couple of them i said dude i'm over it i'm done i'm yeah. Yeah. I think Jay Davis was in his meeting when, when it happened at the PCA, or he probably would have been, unless he texted you that fast, because I can see that. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, uh, that, that, so the, those, it's the 25 count broadleaf right. that is going away. Yeah. And the broadleaf uh, expressions in the original brown labels will be, will be uh, in 10 count boxes, all the size. Yep. No matter how little or much we sell. They'll always be in ten count boxes. Okay. Well, at least for now. Right. Right. Okay. That's yeah, so glad about that. But there was some Coop. other dis Yeah. Coop, wait, wait though. Wait till people start seeing the new brown label band that's just for Miami. Oh, here you go. Like those are those are just <laughs> shipping right now. Okay. And people are gonna open the box and go, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Even though I kind of told everybody that Miami Brown label is gonna be you know, just have a, a flare of a difference in look right. to separate it from Nicaraguan brown label. Right. And I think that's a good, I actually thought that was a good thing. I remember you were talking about that with us at the show, and I think that is a good thing. Yeah, I, I think it will help uh, the consumers and the retailers understand, like, this is made in Miami. Yeah. Because a lot of times you'd look at the 7th with no secondary band, and you'd have to look at the bottom of the box to say, oh, that's made in Nicaragua. Yeah. Of course, the, the cedar that we use on the boxes in Miami compared to Nicaragua is different. Mm -hmm. um, you can see that the, the difference of the box makers, the guy in Miami is like super good at, at making very classic Cuban style cabinet boxes. Um, so you would have to know the style of the wood and the look of the box to go, oh, yeah, that's Miami. Unless you turned over the box and said, oh, yeah, that's Miami. See, we had this we had this argument about another cigar Monday night on Aaron's show. Um, 
And I say, how many people are going to go turn over a box? That's that's kind of where I go. You, you know, you can't tell the difference between this one cigar from the other. So I, I, I like the fact that that's why I'm saying put the band on and I think it's going to make it easier in the long run. You may get a few people at first, but I think it will quickly dissipate. Dude, I, uh, I, I'm always the guy that turns over boxes. And I, I always do it to look at date stamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, we date stamps since day one, but the Cuban cigars, I would always look at date stamps just to yeah. see how old the yeah. cigars were. And yeah. I, was in, I was in France duty-free, and I happened to buy a box of uh, H. Upman Corona Juniors, I think they're called, or uh-huh. something like that. Or They're like little shorts. Correct me in the name if you guys know it. But uh, anyways, I bought it in Germany. The box was from 2014. I was like, great. This is like, you know, at the time it was like six years old. Like I'm super happy or five years old. And then I went to France and saw the same box. I go, I'm going to turn it over and look at the day stamp. And it was covered by a fucking warning label. (laughs) Oh, geez. And then I actually said to myself, how many people are going to be deterred from buying this because they can't see the date stamp? Yeah. Because I'm a, I'm a nerd for, for dates. So if I see old date stamps, I'm like, Oh, I'll take that. Right. Yeah. yeah Carl's Jr. was the right one. Oh, thank you. Like yeah, four yeah. and a half yeah, by 36. Yeah. That's a go. great little, great little size. Yeah. I, like I said, I, but when I even look at a box, right. I was just saying, if I look at a date on a box, I got to get the sealed box is what I tell everyone. Because yeah, yeah, like, because cause you, you, you don't know, you don't know if it's mixed in at a refill. Yeah. 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 So that's why it has to be a sealed box. If I'm going to do that on anything uh, with that. So uh, your product included, I'd probably do that. Uh, but I do, I do like looking at them. I've been more and more into that over the last year, actually. So it's kind of something I've started to do as well. You know, kind of look at these. Dude, I had a guy, um, well, Mo, the guy that works for me in Jersey area, he posted uh, some old boxes and then kind of leaked out where the honey hole was, where you get old boxes. And it was the JR store in Whippany. Oh, really? They had a bunch of old boxes on the shelf and they got cleaned out. Like, <laughs> wow. A bunch of people went down to Whippany and started buying all the old <laughs> shit. Wow. Yeah, and it happens. Yeah, it spreads like wildfire. So now we're we're actually in the middle of doing a a humidor reset for all the CDMs and JR stores. Mm. Oh wow! Because they, yeah, I don't know if you know, but they kind of separated themselves from Santa yes. Clara. Yep. Uh, to to uh, create more confusion for them. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I know. We have one. We have one here in North Carolina. So. Um, it, it, there's definitely still some confusion on it because Santa Clara will release something sometimes and JR will release something sometimes and CDM will release something sometimes, but they're not, they're not, they don't cross, they don't cross paths on that. I had some monsters that they, I was doing an event with them and they're like, Hey, uh, are we going to get any of the monsters? And I was like, this is like October 20th or something like that. I go, mm-hmm. yeah, we shipped those to you at the beginning of October. You should have them already. They're like, oh no, they're sitting on our loading dock in Birmingham. <laughs> I'm not trying to pick on those guys, but I've seen a lot of stuff arrive at their stores a lot later sometimes. And sometimes we think it's sold like it's sold out all over the place. And then it'll appear at the Casa de Monte Cristo here. And yeah, uh, you know, I've seen it happen a lot actually. And it's not a it actually it's kind of something good because if I miss out on something, I can sometimes go and get it there. Yeah, I think they're they're definitely getting better at it than the, than the crew that's over at CDM is uh yeah, run by Brad Winston, and he's he's really on top of it. Yeah, yep. 
uh, good guy. He's been on our show too. He's really good. I know Brad. Yeah, good people. He, he was our rep years ago in uh, Charlotte for uh, Altidus. So uh, I saw him kind of work his way up over the years. Oh, you know, as far as so some of the discontinued stuff, I wanted to ask you about this. Is El yeah. Suelo and Trocadero done? Um, well, for now, but honestly, you know, we, we see a pattern with those with those cigars. Um, we still have inventory, so right. it'll be around for a little bit. Because my commitment to the factory is obviously like if it's if it's done and you have packaging materials for it, pack it up and ship it to me. Yeah, it's it, it, I, I'm responsible for that product. But it's really to kind of eliminate a little bit of the noise in the Takuba factory, so I can concentrate on the tattoo line because I was I was short a lot of tattoos last the last couple of years. Okay, like I needed that cigar really badly, and I was you know kind of making a, a mess with the with the uh, the machine by ordering all these other bundles. I think some of the big guys really do well with the uh, the bundle stuff. Yeah, was you might bundle. eventually you might see those in some of the bigger houses, um, but right now we're just moving through the inventory. But I love I love the brand names. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll try to figure out some way to keep them out there in the ethos, so I keep the trademark running. Yeah, yeah, I do. I would too. I mean, they were solid. They were solid bundle packs. I mean, um, those go. Those are old Latelier. Those. We're gonna start with Latelier. Yeah, they're old. They're old Cuban brands, so yeah. it's something I want to make sure we keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a little affinity for the Trocadero name too. It's kind of a cool name. Just I always like that name. Yeah, I was always really thrilled with that name too. But every time I love the old art, the old Cuban artwork was really cool. Um, but every time I would go to Paris, I would, I'd walk by the Trocadero just to, uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of. I don't know, get a giggle or whatever. Say, hey, this is a Trocadero. <laughs> so that that's good as well. Um, so that's good to hear. At least they, you know, we may see them at some point. But uh, but there's plenty still. It sounds like you have. Yeah, I mean, listen, we have maybe a couple hundred bundles of each. So it's you know we do a lot of things that that don't sell in big huge quantities, and. You know the bundle product actually was was a good seller, but it, my limited editions are are far bigger than the production on El Suelo and Trocadero. Oh, interesting! Really interesting. Yeah, no shit. Uh, some of our limited editions outweigh most SKUs in Miami by by tens of thousands. <laughs> right. Right. So, so the focus on your value line will be more on the tattoo right now. Is, is uh... Yeah, and also the Triumphador. Like, we make the Triumphador in the Favorito size. And the uh, we do make the Triumphador in two other sizes for our distributor in Israel. So it's really concentrating on those. So that, that will be – those will be around for a long time. I love that little Favorito. No, I think a, me calling me calling the tattoo favorito confused people also. So I said, fuck it, I'm just gonna get rid of the the, the more expensive one and continue on with the uh the less expensive one. Makes sense. I remember you gave me one of those little favoritos too. It has a very different vibe for El Triomphador. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's definitely not the original El Triomphador. 
yeah, it's 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 smoked very different too. Uh, I actually have a. This is the Robusto of the Maduro. Oh, I love that cigar. I know, I know, it's a good cigar. Yeah, yeah I, I'll be honest, that that stuff will not go anywhere because that's a different animal compared yeah. to the the bundle Triumphador. But uh, the biggest problem we had over the last, I would say, six months is the amount of pairs that we had in the factory that could do pigtails. Mm-hmm. Um, my my nephew Handy was telling me that uh, that the whole team that does the pigtails really good in the factory in Nicaragua is on the the Lomos that is actually finishing is out, about to be packaged in the next couple weeks, but uh, that was the concentration. Is like, but now now we've gotten to a better situation where some of those rollers actually somehow made it back to the factory and we have a, a good team of uh, people that can roll the, the Lance arrowhead, which we, that's what we call it. The Lance arrowhead. That's why right. if you see the, the Triumphador Robusto, it, it's called the Lance arrow. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that was uh, interesting. It's a yeah. reference. It's a reference to the, the style of head, because if right. I go in the factory and say that I want a petite Robusto, I'll tell them Cabeza Lancero so they know to do the pigtail. Right, right. So that's that's really the debate that, that we get into back and forth with, like, we think of Lancero as the long, skinny cigar mm-hmm. because of the Cohiba Lancero. But in the factories in Cuba, they call it a Leguito. Yep. But I, again, I'm in the school of Pepin. So, like, when he tells me that oh, that's a Lancero head, I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter what size it is. It has a cabeza lancero. Yep. Yeah. I got to argue with that. They got to argue that. Um, plans are for again another PCA and TAA cigar this year to do both. Yeah. Um, hopefully, I'll release them uh, <laughs> in the year that are dated. Yeah, in the actual year that they come out. <laughs> but um, it will be towards the end of the year, obviously. Right. I actually didn't mind letting it wait, though. Like, when I – we had so much going on last year that, that it was actually just good to just take a, a break mm-hmm. and say, we don't, you know, we don't need this right now. We had yeah. a good year. Let's just push it till 22 uh, – 23, and uh, the cigars will have more age on them. I think the end consumer will actually appreciate that. And – uh yeah, I, you could see me putting the TAs and PCAs as a January release every year. Yeah. Just like, hey, it's the, the 23 expression just released in 24. Well, Floor's <laughs> done it several years already, so you're not the first <laughs> to do it. I get completely confused on the years with those. Uh, so they well, put it. I, I could say I learn a lot from my mentors, and Lito is definitely one of those guys. So. Right, right. <laughs> So, uh, but you would have last. You would have lasted the TAA releases because I, I know uh, I just got those. Um, I actually ordered those when I was in Nicaragua when they because that's when they got shipped. So uh, mm-hmm. I got those. Uh, I got you know got my PCAs as well uh, from Jay Davis. So uh, so Jay, I need those right away, and he got them to me. So <laughs> uh, I knew he had them, which is good. Um, along, I guess another thing you got. This is a big year for 
you and probably my father as well because a couple of 20th anniversary i mean you have the 20th anniversary this year coming out so this is a big yeah big yeah both of us and you'll you'll probably see my 20th anniversary official 20th anniversary cigars come out on the 21st anniversary <laughs> <laughs> yeah the, the big the big thing for the 20 20th anniversary is is packaging so yeah Aaron lies the problem, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, uh, I would rather, I'd rather let it wait. I'm not in a hurry. I don't think, uh, you know, an extra few months is going to really change anything other than the cigars will just get better with age. Right, right, right. Um, I have no problem with that. I mean, like I said, again, I, there's a couple companies that came out with 20th anniversaries on their 23rd anniversary, so... Yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Nick Perdomo. And there's always 30, Rocky yeah. that comes out with the 20th anniversary on his 15th anniversary. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you want to, so don't take yeah don't take the confusing thing. Uh, you're not you're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, because it's funny. I I got so many people asking me. Well, the 10th anniversary came out in 2015 of the egg. You're like, oh, it's a little different. They they went with so. Um, but that's good. Yeah, even even our 10 year anniversaries got pushed a little bit. Uh, when we did them, like the uh, the black labeled uh, melamine jar was supposed to come out during the ten year anniversary, and ended up being on the eleventh. Yeah, I remember that so. too. Yeah, uh, I remember anything like maybe I don't know how much you want to say, but when in the I remember with the tenth anniversary, you did that TAA Grand Chichilla, which is still one of my favorite TAAs. Anything like that, you, like maybe planning this year to tie it in with TAA or PCA? Possibly. Okay. Possibly, but it's funny that you say that because I gave Jay Davis a TAA uh, ten year anniversary or the TA, which was the twenty thirteen. Yeah. Um, today, the Grand Chasseur, the Grand Chasseur. Yeah, side. but the, the crazy part it was it was the you remember the story about the the Grand Chasseurs? We shipped them, and they were Habano. And then we ended up having extra boxes and extra cigars in the factory. So I, I said, hey, don't send them to me with a Habano. Rewrap them with Broadleaf. Right, right. So they them with Broadleaf. They put the reserve band on them. They sent them to me. I got them in Los Angeles. I opened the first box, lit one up, and I was not happy with the cigar. I sent them all back to Miami. And eventually, we took that same cigar took the wrapper off again and rewrapped it with Coho new wrapper, which is Habano again. So it went back to Habano. <laughs> I remember you were saying this to me once. Yeah. This saying is very familiar. Yeah. But the dark, the darker Habano. So we put the reserve band yeah, on it, like on. the J 21. <laughs> and I had a box. I have a box sitting at the factory. That's just open with single sticks. And I went back into the, the cold room today I, I said, Jay, you need another cigar. He goes, I'm not going to say no. No, of course not. <laughs> and I, I went in the humidor and I was, I was going to grab something from new production or samples that we're just messing around with. And I saw that box in there. I go, oh, fuck, I'm going to grab one of those because that's a treat. And, and honestly, I wanted to smoke one tonight and I left the factory and I forgot to take them home. <laughs> But yeah, they're 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 fun cigars. And Jay lit it up and goes, "Whoa, <laughs> it's a it's a fun cigar." And they're they're now they're now technically the, the cigar's ten years old. The wrapper was probably six or seven years old, right? 
um, because it, you know, it was rewrapped two times. <laughs> yep. Cause we don't rewrap over the original wrapper. They take off the existing wrapper and put a new yeah. wrapper on. So we ha- that happens a lot in the factory, like from production to, to the aging in Miami. And then even in Nicaragua, same thing, production to the, to cold room and then out of the cold room to packing. And if the wrapper is damaged, they have it sent back to the floor and they rewrap it. So oh, wow. That, that eliminates a lot of seconds. Right, right. <laughs> it's a lot of work though. It's a lot. It is. And yeah. honestly, again, it's the, the Garcia's uh, workspace and my playground. Sometimes I think they don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm still here. I'm still yeah. here. Yeah, no, it's good. That's good to hear. They haven't uh, taken me to the pig farm yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so I uh, got a couple of questions. Wrap up this first segment on um, hand rolled. Yeah. Um, so first, I mean, uh, a big thing that um, last year you guys made that decision to put hand rolled on YouTube, which I think was a great decision. It was um, a great decision. I was happy that the guys were willing to do it. What, I mean, yeah. it was a really, it was really Jesse and Steve bringing the, the concept to me. And I was like, uh, fuck yeah. Yeah. I and mean, uh, shit, it's got like 120,000 views on it already. So, yeah, no, I think so. I mean, what was the, what was, because a lot of people say, well, you know, you could have tried to monetize it through other ways. What, why was the decision made to put it on YouTube for free? What, what was your feeling why it needed to be done? I think it, it kind of went through its period of trying to monetize it. And again, the monetizing part doesn't come from me. But that's really Jesse and Steve is, you know, Steve's part. Um, and it's like, you know, how, how can we get more people to see it? Yeah. It needs to be seen, needs to be out there. And I think the YouTube thing just threw it over the edge, which I love. I, I, I love people seeing the documentary I, and I love getting messages from people about how they really enjoy the movie and, and appreciate the time that went into it. Well, that's great. That's great to yeah. see. Um, I guess I got, you know, we put, it's a permanent link on the coop site as well. So anyone can access it, but you can always go to YouTube and search for hand rolled and it's there too. So uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a, you know, really well done. And I think that was a good job. I think it, if you get, it's very educational and I've, I've, I've had a yeah, let's, of- let's, let's hope that the FDA part becomes dated though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yes, yeah, but you know what? It's a good reminder to people like who don't notice. I I I I've yeah. I've had a couple of people I've told people like hey cuz they're looking for education. I said you need to kind of watch this. Um and then you can kind of understand. And people are not in the cigar business. I said if you watch this you'll kind of understand uh maybe where I come from with a lot of this stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um this is not cigarettes, you know. And, and uh you know That was the ultimate goal. Yeah. Was yeah. The- kind of educate people that, that were not a cigarette industry. And um, Jesse and Steve say it perfectly. It was like, if they can, if they can get one non-smoker to watch it, to understand that cigarettes are different than cigars or cigars are different than cigarettes. Uh, they, they won that, that they, you know, they, they won the prize. Cause it's, it's really important that people, people understand that because we are definitely not the cigarette industry. Yep. Yep, agree, agree on that. Yeah, for sure. Now, along those lines, I've heard talk of some more hand rolled stuff potentially coming down the pipe. Is that true? Yeah, um, 
I, I, I know that, uh, I don't know if I can say this, but uh, I know that Jesse and Steve worked with a, a very historic family in the industry to put yep. something together that might be shown at the PCA. That's what I'm hearing. That's why which I'm asked. excited. I'm, which I'm really excited about. Um, Jesse and Steve are trying to convince me to, to, uh, to partake in an episode about Pete Johnson. I'm like really <laughs> not thrilled about it. Um, they did say that they get a lot of feedback from people watching the, the snippets mm-hmm. that where people want to hear stuff from what we do, but I just, I told them, I told them literally yesterday, I said, listen, I'm going to set up an escrow account. And when I die, you can do a documentary about me. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I just don't, I don't know, like, it's just awkward to me. I, I, I don't like being on camera. This is fun because we're having a conversation, but right. in general, I don't, I don't really want to be an actor. You know, that's kind of what you feel like when you're doing these things, because you're saying these things and they kind of cut a lot of pieces together to make you, you sound really good. But at the same time, you're like, I feel like, I feel like I'm sitting on cameras, you know, telling like a script, but I'm not. It's just at the same time. I just, I don't know. I get kind of, that's where the introversion comes in for me. Like I completely go into the, into the snail shell and just disappear. Well, you know, Pete, I think it's it is a good thing. I mean, because you know, I, I talked with Car- we Carlito talked on the show actually about you know he was very much wanting to preserve history, and I think yeah. if, if these things happen with you know if it's a series of these things that are coming out, I think it's really a powerful message that hasn't been done at a documentary type of level before. I mean, yeah. to that type of production is what I'm saying. So I think there's a real benefit from your story and you know a lot of the other family stories as well with that. I agree with Carlito on preserving history because uh, this this industry is built on the people that came before us. Yeah, it's not mm-hmm. about the new shiny lights. It's about the people that uh, that were the foundation yep. of this industry and the people that I still look up to and remember having that brief moment in in time with the conversation with Frankie and Aza, people like that. Like the stories, like. He, not a lot of people get to sit down with uh, John Oliva Sr., but John Oliva Sr. is one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet. Oh, I know. And just to have a brief conversation with a guy like that, that's, that's something that everybody should seek out to, to at least go to the Newman's factory, go through the tour, sit down with Drew. Let's hope that, you know, you get to meet Bobby and Eric because they'll, they'll talk to you about, you know, their dad. Um, Drew obviously does a great job, but you know, when you, when you have Bobby and Eric come through the door and they can really just sit you down and talk about, you know, what they lived through compared to what Drew lived through, sure. it's, it's needed. And, yeah. you know, Carlito is the same way. Carlito, I mean, Carlito loves this industry and I, I think he's, he's dead on, dead on right. You need yeah. to preserve the history. Yeah, he was like kind of saying. No one will ever forget. No one will ever forget Don Carlos. No one will ever forget Jose Orlando. You know, you need to preserve those people because those are the people that are the foundation of what we're doing now. Yep. No, I agree. Um, And, you know, like Carlito said to us, you know, he regretted that there was not more done about his father when he was alive. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of, so he doesn't want to see that happen, I guess, for the next generation. His um, dad was a beast, dude. His dad was one of the coolest guys you'd ever meet. And, uh, I never met him. I never met him. Yeah. Super, super serious when it came to his craft. Yeah. He thought Carlito was crazy, though. <laughs> but he I did. Bet. He's like, he, but he's like, shit, my son's right. But uh, at the same time, he's like, whatever you want to do, I'll support you. Yeah. No, that's but good. you're crazy. Yeah. I, I saw, I got to meet Jose Orlando uh, a couple of times. And I, you know, I've heard stories about him being very similar about some of the stuff George did too. So, yeah, dude, that, that's a, a tremendous family. And I, you know, I, I look at the, the Garcia's situation, you know, and Pepin's getting older. Um, Luckily, we're, he's still around, and he's going to be around hopefully for a long time. But the transition will be a lot easier for Jaime and Yanni and the kids because Papine's been involved. But Jaime's been running, and Yanni's been running everything for so long since yeah. day one that the transition will be easier. I think it was probably really tough for Carlito and George when their dads passed away. I can imagine, yeah. Because you're talking about a big part of what they are and, and to leave them kind of with this this void, it's got to be tough. But now George has their, his kids, you know, and his kids are really good. Well, his boy's really great. Uh, his nephew is great. Uh, yeah. We talked about it earlier. Um, I think I think we talked about this before where I think this there's that, that gap in that bridge that's finally coming together. And you're seeing all these these great families finally having these next generations that are truly gonna take over those those reins eventually. And you know, kids from you know people in this industry that are younger that you know grow up in this industry twenty years from now, they're gonna walk up to George's son, and George will be you know older and probably still around, but. You know, his son's going to be running everything. Yeah. Same thing with Handy, uh, Jaime's kid. I think, I think realistically, I think all, all those people, like myself included, we're all waiting for the younger generation to come in and start running so we can retire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. No, it's a, it was interesting seeing George um, on the tour with his sons. I always see George Padroni there at a trade show or an event, and he's you know dressed in his best suit, you know, and he's stomping yeah, he around. He was casual. He was casual, stomping around the, in the mud at the farm. It was, it was, it was, it was really cool to see that. Yeah. And he said to me, he really, you know, and you could see he really likes that part of the business too. It's something I don't think a lot of people think about George Padroni with that because they don't see that part of it. But in Nicaragua, I got to see that part of it, which I was very interested with. Well, he's been stomping around in the mud since he was a kid. He is, but you just now now he just it. has to now he just has to do it for different reasons. Yeah, 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 exactly. All right, Aaron, anything else on the product stuff before we hit some of this other stuff with Pete? No, I think you nailed it. All right, good. All right, Pete. So we got a couple of some fun stuff, and then we have some industry talk. We'll wrap up with in the third segment. But cool, uh, a couple. Of, all right, so this is a new segment, Pete. Uh, it's called the ties that bind. It's named after okay. the Bruce Springsteen song. Okay. 
Um, and it's sponsored by Tobacco or USA, makers of iconic brands such as Monte Cristo, Romeo Hudet, A. Keltman, and Aging Room Cigars. Tobacco or USA, great things are happening here. So, Pete, I'm gonna, this is a tough one I'm throwing at you tonight, okay? I want to see if you can get it, all right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name three things, okay? Now, the three things all have something in common, okay? These are singers, okay? Okay. So it's, I'm looking for something more than singers here. I want to know what they have in common. I want to see if you can get this. Because I think this is a very hard one, but uh, I'll see. I'll give you like I'll give you three times to get it. I'll tell you if you're getting closer or warmer. So the three singers are Demi Lovato, Common, and Miley Cyrus. Well, the Common part really screwed me up. <laughs> yeah, Common. But if you say Demi Lovato and and. Uh... And Miley Cyrus, I, I think of the Jonas Brothers. But the common thing really threw me off. <laughs> um, um, you, you, you may want. You may were, want. Is that your answer? <laughs> yeah, you I would just say the Jonas Brothers. You got it. <laughs> they all have collaborated with a the a Jonas Brother or the Jonas Brothers. Ah, yeah, because Nick Nick did something with Common, right? Yep. And Joe yeah. did something with uh, Demi Lovato. Well, and he Miley dated so- Demi Lovato. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and Miley dated dated Nick. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, they all collaborated with them. I thought that, that's why I said I thought that's why I threw that. I said you may get this one. That's why I was saying the common thing screwed me up though because I was like, <laughs> well, they're not teachers. <laughs> no. No, common was a poet, wasn't he? A poet though, at one time too. I think he was. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all poets. Yeah. I guess. Common's a really good actor. He was on that show, Hell on Wheels, and was yeah. really, really yeah. good on that show. I think a lot of people knew Common as an actor. Before a rapper, uh, yeah. Before yeah. a rapper. Yeah. He did a he did a great movie. I think, yeah, that was him. He did a great movie where he played a basketball player with uh, um, Queen Latifah. Yes. Oh, that yeah. was. Uh... Where he was a, a New York Nick, actually, wasn't he? Was it a Nick? Was it Queen Latifah? Yeah. It was. That wasn't. I'm trying to remember the name of it. I don't I'm remember. Not, really. I'm, 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 it was a good cheat. movie, though. I, I enjoyed it. Just right. It was, just know, right. I cheated, though. Just right. Just right. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's actually uh, the Nets. Was it the Nets? Okay. Yeah. It was the Nets. So you were, you weren't that far off. Yeah. Uh. Well, you can see if it, actually the picture he's wearing a Nets uniform as yeah. well. So yeah, no, that's that's a good one, Pete. All right. So this is our cattle baron <laughs> steak question of the night coming up. Uh this is kind of related to what we started talking in the green room about. Um all right, and it's related to burgers. I want to know what is your ultimate burger that you would like to have, like toppings and stuff like that. Uh, I'll be honest. I still love the taste of a Whopper, regardless of how it's made. I wish I, I will say that uh, when so I talked briefly about how the the president, worldwide president of Burger King Popeyes, mm-hmm. is an alumni of the school the kid goes, our kids go to. Oh wow! Um, they came out to their annual food and wine extravaganza, and they brought out Popeye's chicken sandwiches and 
burgers. They didn't do Whoppers, unfortunately, but they did like a bacon cheeseburger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is not the normal bacon cheeseburger. And I'm wondering, I was like, did they make these in like the corporate headquarters in their kitchen there and then brought them over to the, because they didn't taste like a normal, it tasted like the the, the, the ultimate version of a yeah. bacon cheeseburger from, from Burger King. So, yeah, I, I, I love the, I love the combination of, you know, the style of the Whopper for some reason. It works and for me. I think when I, when I, uh, I, I do like simple burgers though. Like if I do a burger, I, I just want pickles and cheese. Kind of like when I go to In-N-Out, I'll get, you know, a double, double with just the pickles. That's it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's t- kind of tough to s- tell some of these kids that are working in and out you're like i want a double double pickles only and they're like you don't want the cheese i'm like no it's a double double for a reason yeah (laughs) i just want the pickles yeah 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 the uh yeah no we got someone else just answered similar about a simpler burger too it wasn't just you um we better get that with luis cuevas last week i think it was so is that you're not the first person to answer that way simple burger all right. All right. And I've had some crazy burgers over the years. I've had I've burgers had... with foie and lobster on them. They're just ob- obnoxious. <laughs> but uh, give me a burger with uh, with pickles on top of it. I'm good. I had one with artificial crab. Dill, not terrible. the sweets. Dill pickles. Dill, not dill pickles. Yeah. Gotta be not dill bread pickles. and butter, right? You're going no, not, not the butter pickles. Yeah. I hate those. Those are not pickles in my book. <laughs> yeah, it's candy. Yeah, it's candy. That's not a Speaking of pickles, you know, I went on a whole pickle binge after I watched that movie with Adam Sandler. Where he eats, he's the the shoe cobbler, but it's the pickles that are like the secret to to everything. Got it. So I I started trying to find like local pickle makers. I love a great dill pickle. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've done that too. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to find unless you go to like a specialty store to find like really good, like unique kind of pickles. Otherwise it's just like all like the kind of yeah. commercial versions of everything. So exactly. You know, in New York, they, the, a lot of delis used to have the pickle barrels there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And then bear took me to a place in, in of all places outside Fort Worth that had pickle barrels and it was amazing. Like they had all different types of pickle barrels in there. See, I like that. That's that's probably a younger guy trying to preserve history. Yeah. So, so I read have... something the other day that said in Texas, pickles are a huge movie theater snack. Really? Didn't this, yeah. yeah, this and came up in just the chat. Re- yeah. Relegated to Texas, as far as I understand. So why do I think that that would be kind of messy? Yeah, I don't know. But then especially if it's a crunchy pickle. Like, can you shut up already? <laughs> They so have, I don't like, know. Jay Davis might be able to chime in and tell us yeah. if that's the Texas thing or not. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. No. I said let's get that. I did not, yeah. I remember you said something in the chat on that. I think. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, that's a uh, that's a good one. Oh no! Uh, someone just Tim Chi burger with egg. Absolutely not. We're not even going there. <laughs> uh, we're not even going there. <laughs> I, 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 uh, listen, I, I do. I I do love uh, burger meat with uh, an egg a fried egg oh no no but i'm a big local moco fan you know local moco from hawaii 
Right. Yeah. That's uh, the easiest locomoco is just, you know, a fried egg, uh, burger, rice, and a little bit of gravy. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they get fancy with it and they do brisket or something in there, but yeah, something good about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, you know, just thinking about something for a second. I know that dojo thing's tomorrow night, but he didn't put Polo Tropical on there. That would have been a good one to have. Ah, uh, no, dude, that's not fast food. But but it's that, better than I've never even heard of it, so I don't know that you can put it on that list. You could go to a drive-in <laughs> and get it. You could go to a drive-in and get. It. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's kind of a Florida thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a Florida chain, like uh, uh, you know, yeah, they have like these uh, chop chopper chops or whatever in there, mixed with rice and all sorts of vegetables. Yeah, but. We'll see what happens Friday, tomorrow. Jay Davis, Friday on a burger. There you go. Absolutely yeah. not, Jay. We're not going there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm famous for not liking eggs, so that's uh, they're all doing that. Oh, tomorrow. dude, I, 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 so you don't like eggs, but I, I actually really enjoy eggs. And oh. there is a dish that I learned from my wife, and it's it's a very simple dish. It's just rice with a fried egg on top but they call it comida de puta so hector's probably i'm hoping hector's watching because i know he knows what comida de puta is <laughs> but that's i ate it for lunch dude <laughs> like we had some rice left over i fried a couple eggs and i made comida de puta it's one of my favorite things and it was all because of my cuban family here that introduced me to him like they would make it for the kids i'd be looking at him like I can't have that. They're like, you can have it if you want it. I'm like, what's it called? Like, comida de puta. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, all, right. all right. We got some more questions coming up. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to do a sponsor read, and I think I'll have this one okay this time. And then we'll get into uh, some more questions for you, Pete, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with some industry talk. So these will be shorter segments. Um, but let cool. me mention first uh, Tailored Smoke. Located in the heart of downtown Charlotte's Epicenter and now outside the Charlotte Motor Speedway in Concord, North Carolina, Tailored Smoke is your one-stop shop for a tailored smoking experience. And by JRE Tobacco, the authentic Corolla leaf is one of the most robust and flavorful tobacco leaves out there. During the golden age of cigars, Cuba was a leaf of choice to make some of the world's greatest cigars. Because it is one of the most challenging ones to cultivate, it fell out of favor by the 1990s. In the Hamasran Valley in Honduras, Julio Aroa took on the challenge of growing Corolla from the original seeds. And in 2000, he successfully reintroduced authentic Corolla back to the market. With over 50 years' experience in the tobacco business, from growing and curing tobacco to cigar production, the Jerry Tobacco Farm has been able to continue to deliver products to market with authentic Corolla. Now with Jerry Tobacco, who and his son Justo have brought their very own brand to market and each contain the authentic Corolla leaf. Aladinos are available in a wide variety of blends, including the latest release, Aladino Classic. Each represent that golden age of cigars from 1947 to 1961. Now available at your local retailer. Be sure to ask for Jerry Tobacco, a legacy that is tasted in every drawer. And by Corona Cigar Company. At Corona Cigar Company, they take pride in the fact that they are cigar fanatics just like you. That's why you'll find the best selection of the rarest and finest premium cigars available anywhere in the world. Plus, they have special limited edition cigars available exclusively to Corona Cigar Company from famous international cigar makers such as Avo, LFD, and Drew Estate. They have the best selection, the best customer service, and money-saving discount prices. But don't just take their word for it. Forbes magazine selected Corona Cigar Company as best of the web. Corona Cigar was voted a top five internet cigar retailer by Smoke Magazine. And Cigar Aficionado wrote, Corona Cigar Company, the largest, best stock cigar shops in America. 
place an order online at their website or visit one of Corona's four Central Florida cigar superstores and cigar bars and feast yourself. Why? Corona, Corona Cigar Company is the ultimate cigar experience. And I want to mention again, Cavalier Geneva. Cavalier Cigars, Cavalier Cigars. Smoke gold, stay gold. Join the inner circle and follow Cavalier Cigars on Instagram at Cavalier underscore cigars and on Facebook at Cavalier Geneva Cigars. Again, that's Geneva, G-E-N-E-V-E. You can visit your local tobacconist. Join the movement that is Cavalier Cigars. They're consistently regarded highly by cigar lovers everywhere, as well as high ratings by the Cigar Industry Press. You want to follow them on Instagram? They do some very unique giveaways throughout the whole year. Cavalier Cigars, smoke gold and say gold. And we're going to get into our Alec Bradley Live True segment, sponsored by Alec Bradley. Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley, Alec Bradley. Visit Alec Bradley. That's the guys. Find out more about the cigars live true. So, Pete, we have some more like non-industry questions I'm going to hit you with here. Um, hopefully sure. these, will, these will be fun. Um, and uh, so I have eight questions here. So my first question to you is I'm going to uh, say vinyl record, compact disc, or digital music. Which is your preference? Well, I love the ease of digital music, but uh, the vinyl records. Everyone's going back to them. Yeah, uh, there's something. Uh, one of our lawyers actually has a record player in his house. He has a big record collection, and I love hearing that that hiss. Yeah, that scratch. That and I still, yeah. I still have, I still have all, unless my mom sold them, but uh, I still have all my old Kiss albums. <laughs> I remember I had to go get the Kiss when they did the solo albums. They each did a solo album, and mm-hmm. I went and got all four of those. I remember that was a big deal for me. And surprisingly, I like the Peter Chris one the best. Yeah, it was a great one. Yeah, I, is that, that's the one I thought I would like the least, and it actually turned out I liked that one the best. But uh, but yeah, I use a, I actually just re got a turntable, and usually I'll just play the uh, I'll play the record once, and uh, then I just kind of use the digital formats after that. So well, I mean, dude, we have we have Sonos throughout the house, so it's easy to just pop something on, yeah. and it's infinite. You know, like you could play anything. Yep. I had a friend that was big with Warner Brothers. Uh, he ran at one time. He ran the uh, what was the big laser disc department for Warner, and then eventually he moved on to you know the other formats and DVDs and stuff like that. He I don't know how he ended up moving, but he ended up moving apartments and. I think he had he had thousands of lasers, laser discs, and those things are not small. Right. So oh, if you think they, about, they were large, hey, wanna, they were large ones. Yeah. I want a good selection of music. You have to have thousands of records. One of the coolest places I've ever been in my life was, uh, you know, this chef Massimo Batura. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He has a what he calls he doesn't call it a, a hotel. He calls it like a casa or a house in Modena. And it's a beautiful, like, villa hotel, for lack of better words. And he has a restaurant there. But you can, you can basically take over the whole place. He wants everybody to feel like it's their house. And he yeah. has a record room. So you can actually go in and pull a record out and play it on the turntable. And, it's, and he's wow. got crazy shit. It was one of the most... Uh, Coolest things I've ever seen. Like you just walk into this room just full of records. And I didn't I, I didn't dare touch anything though. <laughs> so I was like, 
I'll come back to this. And then I went to bed and I had to drive back to Rome the next morning. So I didn't get to enjoy it. But it's really cool. That sounds really Plus, cool. Plus, he allows you to smoke cigars on the property, so we're good. Mm. Yeah, you, wow, you got to get better than that. That's good. All right, we're going to stick with the music theme. Uh, I'm going to name three artists who are nominated for the Hall of Fame. You only could pick one to get in the Hall of Fame of these three. And I can uh, tell you what who it is without you giving me the names. Well, give me the names because he might not be on the list. Okay, it may not be on the list. I only picked three. George Michael... Iron Maiden, Warren Zevon. I, I got to give it to Zevon. Uh, Warren a- Zevon used to buy cigarettes from me. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and, and a buddy of mine in Los Angeles became really close with Warren before he passed away. Oh, wow. Now, um, was, that, was that who you had in mind, or was it one of the others? No, it was Warren Zevon. Okay. I think he deserves it. Uh, long overdue. Long overdue. Iron Maiden, for sure, obviously. I think I put on your your post. It was Iron Maiden, Zevon, and I picked Soundgarden just because of of their history of grunge. Because they were they were kind of ahead of everybody from from my opinion. Like Nirvana's in. Why why shouldn't Soundgarden be in? Yeah, yeah. no, I agree. I agree. Uh, actually, I think George Michael will get in though. Yeah. Uh, oh, he a, oh, good. He did, he did, he did good. enough. To, not my first choice, but enough. He did enough to get in. I think. Yeah, yeah, he was a dude. He was a great, great uh, artist, and uh, obviously, very. It's more of a posthumous vote. So, but uh, yep, yeah. Same with Zevon, though. But Zevon deserved it when he was alive. Yeah, yeah. No, all right. So I'm gonna flip this now. Of those three, who do you bump? Like, who doesn't get it? Who doesn't make the cut? I know it's not gonna be Zevon. So it's between Iron Maiden and George Michael. I think they'll probably give it to Michael. Even though I'd prefer Iron Maiden, I think so too. Because uh, Iron Maiden, every bass player wanted to play like their bass player. Oh yeah, like they 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 made iconic albums. Uh, they did iconic tours. You know, I think there was a debate on your post about Grammy wins and stuff like that. I'm like, <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't get a factor in. It doesn't factor to me. It's 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 the impression of of what they did to the industry. Yeah. For rock and roll, I would yeah. I would go towards, even though Michael ended up doing a lot of rock and roll styles of songs. Yeah. I would lean towards Maiden, uh, but I think that Maiden's probably going to get bumped. I think they are too. Uh, we're, we're actually we're doing our music show Monday, and we're going to be doing uh, the whole thing. But I think Iron Maiden will get bumped. Um. So unless they yeah, get well, some sort of special, unless they give him a special dispense like they did with Judas Priest. You know, I'm always bad with names, but uh, still one of the best speeches at uh, at the uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame was uh, what's his name from? Uh, well, shit, uh, Aaron's uh, dad. Oh, uh, Rick, Rick Nielsen. Oh, yeah. Cheap, yeah, trick. But, but cheap it, trick. It was a cheap trick. It was, it was, who was the guy from Cheap Trick that, that gave Nielsen. a great speech? Rick Nielsen. No, it wasn't Rick. Who was oh, it? Was it? Oh, it was, um, it may have been Robin. I don't think maybe we, I'm thinking of someone else. Okay. 
It wasn't who, who, who? No, it wasn't. It wasn't Cheekirk, was it? Who? Who did the blah 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 speech? That was Rush. That was Alex. Lesh. That was Rush. Oh, sorry, sorry. Blah blah, Alex, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. That was that was all time my favorite speech. Oh, that was <laughs> great. That go was back. Fair. Sorry, sorry, Aaron. Uh, and your, but yeah, Cheap Trick was an amazing choice. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah the Rush speech, Alex. Alex, um, great I'll speech. Go. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was a uh, yeah. It's uh, they were way over. They got in because there was a whole progressive rock bias for years with with the uh, people voting, and I think finally they got in. But that was I remember that was a long time coming. That one. I was happy about uh, Pat Benatar and Neil Gerardo getting in. I was. Too. By the way, if you if you didn't see that, they there was a really good ceremony they had this year. Uh, HBO ran has the ceremony. It's really worth watching. Uh, the whole thing. It's long, but with Duran uh, Duran. Yeah, Duran Duran. That was yeah, a, that was a big one for me. That was a big influence. For that me. was a big one for me too. It was a big yeah. one. Uh, the chauffeurs. I think you and I agree. It's one of the greatest tracks. Yeah. Uh, I just yeah. love that song. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think yeah. the baseline in the chauffeur for me was the really what captured. Like yeah. I always tried to. I always tried to mimic that that feel in some of the songs that we did when we were younger. Because I always loved how the bass would slide to the next note. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah, spectacular song. I would put John Taylor with any bass player in the world. He is that oh. good. He is yeah, that absolutely. good. Yeah, absolutely. He is that it, good. You I, know, people used to give me shit when I would say uh, Duran Duran. John Taylor is one of my favorite bass players. They're like, I got it too. <laughs> what? I'm like, dude, he's a brilliant bass yeah. player. Yeah. And he doesn't get the credit. Yeah, that he should, you know, that he should, but yeah. he's a, an amazing bass player. Yeah. I've seen him and I've seen seen him play solo at the Roxy. Yeah, like he's just one of those guys. Yeah, no, it's amazing. I mean, I love his work with Power Station too. Uh, I, I sentimentally, I'm rooting for Cindy Lauper because my dad drove her. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, Cindy. A- Cindy does. If I didn't, I didn't see her on the list. Is she on the yeah. list? She's on the list. Uh, there's a famous, there's a picture somewhere on Facebook of, I put up after my dad passed, uh, uh, Cindy sitting on his lap at Christmas time. Uh, it's pretty cool. So, That's uh, cool. which is, which is very out of character for my dad. Uh, my mom was there, so it wasn't a big deal anyway, but yeah. Was it though? Was it though? <laughs> yeah. Well, they ended up getting divorced years later. So. <laughs> but, but Cindy, yes. Yeah, Cindy- I'll never forget that Cindy Lopper bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> No, what my, my mom actually gave me the picture uh, for the memorial. So uh, she had the picture. So um, she found it. That's a great so, story, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so that's all good. All right. Next question. Uh, you've lived in Los Angeles. You've lived in Maine. Carney. Who is this? Who is this Pete Johnson guy? <laughs> hey, Carney. What's up, brother? <laughs> Looking forward to seeing you in a few weeks. Yep. I'll see him in a couple weeks, too. All right. Uh, you lived in Los Angeles. You lived in Maine. What's something you miss about living in each of those places? Well, Maine, the simplicity of life, obviously. Yeah. Um, it, it's not much to do. And when you do it, you're on a mission. Yeah. <laughs> LA, LA became my home because it's the only thing I knew. Like I could drive those streets blind. Um, but I, I think what I miss about L.A. is I, I used to uh, kind of haunt restaurants, like certain restaurants became my like haunt. Like that's where I would go. Mm-hmm. I stopped going to the clubs in in uh, the Sunset Strip over the years just because it music changed. 
just the vibe, everything changed. Although I was really, I was sitting at my favorite restaurant in LA, one of my haunts actually. And I was having a conversation with one of the waiters and the waiter um, and I started getting on a conversation with, about uh, Guns N' Roses and Guns N' Roses happened to be playing at the Troubadour. Mm. And he goes, you're going to go over? I go, I don't really like crowds anymore. <laughs> like, but I, I have a, like a thing for the Troubadour because I, I played there a lot and yeah. uh, shit, we got signed by Budweiser in the Troubadour. <laughs> So the troubadour has a, a soft spot for me, but he woke me up. This waiter actually, he, he was from Ireland. He he woke me up about uh uh Axel's Chinese democracy. And I refused to listen to it for years. And then I started listening to it and I I it's on my playlist. Mm. It's a, to me one of the most iconic albums that never got listened to. Yeah. It's a good album. It's a really good album. I agree with you. It's a it's a fantastic album. So yeah, I miss I miss I miss my haunts in in LA. That's it though. Okay. So along those lines, it's kind of interesting. I just I'm a geography buff. Um, you've lived in Maine, you lived in Los Angeles, and you lived in Miami. So you've lived in three of the four like corners of the U.S. If you think about it, I know. Well, when I when I lived in Maine, we did a a interview with the local uh, newspaper. Uh, my band when I when I was in Maine, we had a I had a small band that, that I was in, and they interviewed us. And I mentioned that I was probably going to move to either New Jersey or New York because that's the scene that I wanted to be part of. But it was either between there and LA, and ultimately I took a visit to LA uh, over the summer, and the vibe was like right in my wheelhouse. So I. I saved up money and moved back to LA. So kind of like the whole coming to America scene where they spin the globe, it's either going to be Queens or LA. Yeah. Just landed yeah. on LA for you. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I didn't land in Queens though. <laughs> uh, different. The music vibe in New York is so different though. The rock scene was so different. It was, the punk scene was very big up there. Uh, yeah. But like, uh, you know, New York obviously had, uh, you know, a different vibe, but New Jersey as a whole was signing a lot of, big bands like Cinderella, uh, Skid Row, Bon Jovi, you know, like those bands. I was like, I'm probably going to go to New Jersey. I had really, I mean, aside from Bruce Springsteen and the Stone Pony, I didn't really know much about New Jersey. (laughs) Aside from the fact that I had relatives there and my, my parents came from Jersey. My brother and my sister were born in Jersey. I was the only one born in Maine. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, Yeah, the uh, you know Asbury Park, you know, like that's that's a different animal for a lot of people. And I always dreamed of playing the Stone Pony when I was a kid. It's a cool, it's a cool place. To, I've been there. It's a cool place. Yeah, it's a really cool place to go to. Uh, so along those lines, you wouldn't move to Seattle and complete it, right? <laughs> no, even when we were getting eaten up by grunge, when we were playing in L.A., we were getting eaten up by grunge, but we were already starting to transition to that style anyways. There was no mention of like, hey, let's move to Seattle. Maybe we can get big in Seattle. Right, right, right. We we That's hated why I, I was wondering I was wondering grunge. that. That's why I asked that. Yeah. I was talking about it earlier because I, I remember being in a club in LA and there was a band called the Butt Nuggets playing 
at a place called English Acid. And this band was just fucking amazing. Like just hardcore grunge, like super. The singer was all dreaded out and crazy. And and this is a small club. Like it was it was a place called Peanuts, 7969 Santa Monica Boulevard. And it, it, it was English Acid on one night, Bordello the next night. And Bordello was more of a club. English Acid had music. I walked in. They're like, oh, the Butt Nuggets are playing. I was like, what the fuck are the Butt Nuggets? <laughs> and uh, we got invited to a show. My band got invited to a show at the Palace where we had passes and tickets and everything. And it was uh, Extreme was headlining the show. Extreme, very influential band for us because we liked harmonies and obviously Nuno Bentoncourt still is one of the best guitar players yeah. ever out there. And the band opening up was this band called Alice in Chains. And I was like, holy shit, it's the Butt Nuggets. <laughs> it was Alice in Chains. Right. Alice in Chains playing English Acid under yeah. like they were kind of like hiding their identity. Mm. And they were playing like a shitty dive, you know, club. Right. That's cool. And I was like, man, then so Alice in Chains became a huge influence for us. But we we ultimately kind of got passed over by our lawyers. Our lawyers, we had to sit down with one of the biggest lawyers in, in music, uh, Eric Greenspan, and this other guy named Jeffrey Light. Jeffrey Light, uh, funny enough, Jeffrey Light was the lawyer for like the lighter rock people, like like, like uh, Slaughter and the Bullet Boys. Yeah. And Eric Greenspan did the Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction, and they were with partners. Jane's Addiction and uh, Ice T's uh, heavy metal band that he had. Uh, body Count. Body Count. Body Count. And then they 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 sat us down in their offices and they're like, "Yeah, we have a conflict because you guys sound too much like a band that we just signed, and it was Stone Temple Pilots." Oh wow! So we had to find a new a new set of lawyers, and we ended up going with the the lawyers that represented. Tiffany and Yanni. <laughs> there you go. Yes. But they wanted they they wanted they wanted a rock act to uh -huh. represent. But we had great management, which was Left Bank management. Left Bank did Duran Duran, so I actually got to play one of John Taylor's basses oh, on wow. one of nice. our shows at the Whiskey. Wow! There you go. So I have uh, for me, I was like, "You're you're gonna let me play one of John Taylor's basses." <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, it played like shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or, or maybe I played like shit. <laughs> wow. And the and the, the bass was better than me. Yeah. <laughs> Which is probably true. <laughs> oh wow. All right. Turning away from music, we'll go to uh television. Uh is there a television program you're binging on or want to binge on or not at all? Well, Ted Lasso, I love it. Yep. I'm waiting for the next season. Obviously, Ozark did that whole thing. Mm -hmm. I never got into Game of Thrones. Never. I got never into, did either. Uh, I never did. Never either. got into Breaking Bad. Um, I did watch only because I'm a National Treasure fan. I did watch their new series on Disney Plus, and I'm waiting for Nicolas Cage to just show up at the end scene <laughs> yeah, of the yeah. last. The last. Uh, like I, I watched the whole season, but the, there was already a lead in. To the next season and riley pool shows up mm -hmm. 
but I'm waiting for that moment where they, oh, we need to go talk to this guy. He knows everything. And then <laughs> turns around Nick Cage and end credit. Yeah. And that's the lead into the next movie, which yeah. I've been waiting for forever. I don't exactly. know. Right? I love the conspiracy of that there is a Knights Templar treasure and Nicolas Cage, you know, <laughs> he's part of the whole secret thing. <laughs> nice. I had to go under. All um, right. I'm trying to think of another. Yeah, I, we we kind of binge a lot of shit. Uh, but uh, I'm waiting for Ted Lasso. I, I love that show. I love Sedeckis. Uh, I, I think his character is awesome. And I do really enjoy watching. Uh, I don't know if you saw the documentary series that they did about uh, Wrexham. Welcome to Wrexham. Yeah. With uh, Ryan Reynolds and his partner. Really good. I thought that was really I cool. I did see that. Really good, yes. I, I would recommend that to folks. All right, next question. All right, you've traveled a lot, and you've gone to places probably where you don't speak the language. Where was a place <laughs> or a scenario where you were just completely, like, in a language barrier uh, that, I mean, this has happened to me a lot lately, where you just, you couldn't communicate because you didn't speak the language, and it was just, nothing was happening. Uh. I mean, every country that I've been to, I don't speak the language, but I always try to find at least one or two words I can say. And usually they end up starting to speak to you in English. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'll still tell you the Spanish speaking countries, I, I'm not I'm not great at Spanish. I, I get by. Um, oh, oh, awful. Card but, uh, every day at your house. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I had I had an right? issue in Mexico. <laughs> I'm still horrible. Right, right. I had an issue our in young, Mexico. Our youngest son that definitely takes takes after me when it comes to Spanish, though he doesn't know a shit about Spanish, <laughs> and my, he was my, born into it. Yeah, my wife actually uh, speaks. Well, she's learned Spanish really well. Um, so I keep saying you have to come on Brazil. Portuguese is a whole different language. It's to me. totally yeah. different. Yeah. And there's different dialects of it too, from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, yeah. And luckily every place I went, everybody spoke English. So. Yeah. Well, the best is when I was in Mexico and I, I was trying to get a, uh, I was at the cab stand trying to get a cab and they just didn't understand me. And the guy just takes out his taxi. Phone and, <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, he knew I was getting a taxi, but it was. It was literally like, called a taxi. <laughs> He was. He starts typing on his iPhone. He goes. He brings up the translate thing, <laughs> and he's typing what he's typing into me. Uh, what what he was saying. <laughs> I said, okay, that works. So then I typed back what I wanted, uh, and that that seemed to work. I was like, man, what have I done twenty years ago at that? Dude, I still use Google Translate to this day yeah. on everything. When I'm when I'm sending messages to uh, a couple of my employees in Los Angeles. And to Nicaragua, or even to the factory here in Miami, I'll send it. I'll, I'll type it in Google Translate and send it. <laughs> but you got to The key to Google Translate is you have to you have to type it in English, and then hit reverse to see if it translates back, back to what yes. you want. Yeah. yeah. Yes, I've I've noticed that too. <laughs> but even Jay Davis witnessed me trying to speak bad Spanish today. <laughs> <laughs> I got a couple words right though. I will be. <laughs> I got a B plus. Oh wow, wow, that's cool. Uh, 
it's easy to get by Nick Nicaragua or DR to Miami, he says. <laughs> uh, I'm looking right. at the oh billions. There you go. Yeah, yeah that's a good that's a good that's a good yeah. one too. All right, last question. Uh dream car that you either want to drive or already have driven. Nah. Uh I would love to drive an F40. Never driven yeah. one. Okay. But I think an F40, although a buddy of mine who writes for Motor Trend just drove the Aston Martin Valkyrie. Mm. He yeah. went to Bahrain. He went to Bahrain for 26 hours. He goes, but I got to drive the Valkyrie. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I don't know. Like it's something about you know, I drove electric cars for a long time in Los Angeles. Like I was into Tesla early on, and and uh, <laughs> when I got into a car with a motor again, it it kind of gave me this new appreciation know, for the appreciation. and yeah. And but but I will tell you one of the coolest things I ever did was I took a tour of the Ferrari factory and uh yeah dude that 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 place bit me because that place was clean as a whistle dude you yeah. <laughs> you could eat off of every speck of that floor there's no motor oil to be seen anywhere <laughs> uh yeah. no uh, one of my favorite uh F1 drivers of all time is Nigel Mansell and he mm. apparently sold, I think, uh, he sold an F40 for like a record amount for like that stood forever. It was like over a, a million pounds. So, Dude, you know, it's funny because in the Ferrari factory, we we had a private tour because of my friend from Motor Trend, and uh, it was just me and Yanni, and we got up to the the Formula One historic car room, mm. and you see you know, everybody's car. Yeah. They're all there. Then now they're all owned by some rich dude that just keeps it there. Yeah. But I'm like, how did people even fit in those damn things? Yeah. Like I would be, I'd be afraid that I would get stuck in one. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> get, get the olive oil out. You got to take the fucking go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a cool experience. Uh, but I don't know. The F1 cars scare the fuck out of me yeah. uh, because I would be afraid I'd get stuck in them. You got to be small. And if you look at all those guys, they're pretty, they're yeah. pretty tiny. Yeah. By the way, Pete, uh, if you're following F1 this year, Ferrari, uh, my, my day job company is the sponsor of them this year. What's that? My day, my day job company is sponsoring the Ferrari team this year. Get out. What's your day job company? Uh, it's called HCL. And if you haven't heard of them, you can. Oh hear yeah, them. HCL. Yeah. yeah, I know it. Yep, yep. So really, yeah. you you work for them? I work for them. Yeah, I worked for them for five, almost five years. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, they're a big company. They're a big company based out of India, but they've really been pushing their U.S. presence the last few years. All right, Coop. So your mission is to get the three of us <laughs> to Vegas for the race. If, if I am not going to be able to get you guys, I can tell you that right now. Uh, I can tell you right now, I have to nominate like and have these business justifications. I'm I'm, I'm working on the Miami race right now. You know, uh, they, they, they're doing something weird with Vegas. So they're selling room blocks or they're selling rooms. And with the rooms, you get a general admittance ticket to a certain set of bleachers. Yeah. So like if you're standing at the Bellagio, you get the bleacher in front of Bellagio. Yeah. 
there's no really a there's not really assigned seating. It's it's kind of weird. Miami's a little different. I'm, I did Miami last year. I actually had assigned seats at the start finish, but uh, this year I decided that I'm just going to go the day pass and go to the campus tour because it's kind of fun to walk around the campus and uh, you get to see the cars, you get to hear them. So it's kind of fun just being in the presence of it. It's definitely an, an experience that I think that everybody should do once. I've done the only, I've done the one in Montreal, the Grand Prix a few times, and that's a wild I, weekend. I've heard that's amazing. It's a wild weekend. I went, I haven't gone yeah. in many, many years, but yeah. Um, I think uh, Jim, who's now with Phillips and King, uh, he, I think he went to, to Montreal also. Yeah, it's, it's the biggest thing next to the Stanley Cup there. I mean, it's Stanley, uh, the Canadians, and then it's that race. And uh, apparently there was some talk that they may not get the race back, but apparently it sounds like they're going to have it. Really? Yeah, but uh, I think they, the contract was worth They worked. I think Lamar and uh, Grand Prix Montreal were, were questionable, but I think they're, they're continuing. So, yeah, on, uh, on a different sport note, I, I still want to go to a World Cup, but in a different country. Uh. I actually, like I, I know we yeah. got one coming. Yeah, but well, you could do that. You could do that and go to Mexico. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I think I'd feel safer here in the United States during a World <laughs> Cup. I did, but go I, I actually wanted. I wanted to go to Brazil. Like I really wanted to go to Brazil. Yeah. I, I actually got to see. I was in Brazil when they were building all the, the stadiums and shit for it, and you could see that the infrastructure was just not there yet. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. I think it would be spectacular to go see a World Cup somewhere in Europe. Yeah, I, I mean, I went in the U.S. I went to when they had a giant stadium. I went when Bulgaria upset Germany, which was uh, which was crazy because the whole crowd was rooting for Bulgaria. Go figure that down. Yeah, dude. So out of the blue, and yeah, I, I I remember very little when I was really young, but my dad was in the sporting goods industry for a while, and my brother ended up being you know he was a soccer player. He ended up working for Adidas for years. And out of the fucking blue, my brother says, yeah, when dad and I had lunch with Pele, I go, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, how do I not fucking remember that? Yeah. Uh, Wow. I was at Pele's last game. I went to Pele's last game in New York. He played for Brazil in the first half and the Cosmos in the second half. And it was the worst weather. Rain. It was horrible that day. What an icon, dude! Yeah, um, Aaron, he, uh, yeah he, he was a he was, he was great. great. He, he was great, Aaron. I know yeah. you're not a soccer guy, but he was great. No, I understand the greatness. I, I you know, I don't have to be a fan of the game to know it when somebody's. Yeah, you don't have to be a fan of the game to know it. that he was the goat. You know? yeah. yeah, yeah, he was just. Uh, I mean, when he played for the Cosmos. It was amazing. It was soccer became huge in New York because of him. Yeah. So they they moved from a like a ten thousand stadium to a seat stadium to giant stadium because they couldn't. They, they and they were filling that stadium up when he was there, so mm-hmm. yeah. All right, guys. So uh, one more set of commercials, and we got a couple industry things to hit uh, you with, Pete. Mm-hmm. Um, Going back to industry, damn! I love these casual conversations. <laughs> these will be these, will, these won't be too bad. Uh, all right. So let me mention um, J.C. Newman Cigar Company, founded in 1895 by Julius Caesar Newman. J.C. Newman Cigar Company is the oldest family-owned premium cigar maker in America. For four generations and 127 years, J.C. Newman has been handcrafting many of the world's finest cigars. 
J.C. Newman is headquartered in an iconic 111-year-old cigar factory in the Ybor City National Historic Landmark District of Tampa, Florida. After factory known as Elver Hole, J.C. Newman was premium cigars by hand and hand-operated antique cigar machines, including the handmade American line. Uh, the J.C. Newman Pensa Factory is the second largest in Nicaragua, and it's where Brickhouse, Perla de Mar, El Baton, Quorum, and Yagua cigars are hand-rolled. J.C. Newman's Diamond Crown, Maximus, Julius Caesar, and Black Diamond cigars are handmade by Tobacco A. Fuente in the Dominican Republic. With its longtime partners, the Arturo Fuente family, the Newmans founded the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation, which supports low-income families in the Dominican Republic with education, healthcare, vocational training, and clean water. Visit jcnewman.com to learn more. And I want to mention Casa Cuevas cigars. The Cuevas family has five generations of experience in cigar making. For many years, they have manufactured cigars for many industry leaders at a Las Lazas factory in the Dominican Republic. Now, the Cuevas family has brought their very own brand to market with Casa Cuevas cigars. Try the latest release, the Sangre Nueva, and um, as well as the other lines, such as the Casa Cuevas line, La Mandaria, Cuevas Reserva, and Patrimonial lines. If they don't carry it, be sure to ask your local tier for Casa Cuevas cigars. Casa Cuevas cigars from our casa to yours. And we're going to get into our industry deliberation talk segment, sponsored by Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. There's no deliberation when it comes to Dumbarton's track record since launching in 2015. This has included eight consecutive top three appearances on the Half-Wheel Consensus, including number one cigar of the year in 2020 with the Micarita Tricky Traca, and number one cigar of the year in 2022 with the Micarita Saka Khan. You can visit DTC Cigars to find a purveyor that carries the brands of Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. Okay, Pete. Um, so one thing I wanted to hit up is this whole NFT thing, which we, really, we didn't talk about tonight. Um, and you're kind of getting involved in this right now. Uh, with a little bit of a surprise, but you're going to be throwing your hat into the NFT thing this year. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to say that I'm really following Abe's lead. Abe knows way <laughs> more about it. I'm just the lucky guy that gets to make the product that's going into it. Um, I'm excited about finishing everything, including the bands and the box of, the, for the uh, for the humidors. But uh, Abe's Abe's really the mastermind behind this. Like I, I'm literally falling asleep because I don't understand it at all. <laughs> it, I, I, mean, I think it's a you know after seeing what Lafleur did with it, I was like. Okay, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that specifically, like what you thought about that. Yeah, I, I I'm still trying to do the math. <laughs> but uh I, I don't know. Like I I think it's a fun project and I, I put a lot of weight on Abe. I know that Abe wants to do a bunch of uh a bunch of uh podcasts about it coming up, but uh I'm gonna I'm gonna let him do all the talking. <laughs> he uh he just did a whole bunch of podcasts with the great smoke. Oh, geez. So, um, I thought, first of all, I thought it was really interesting because I, I do know Abe and I was on a show where he had this crypto guy on and Abe just destroyed this guy. Oh, I, I remember, I remember, I watched that. He destroyed this guy, right? And he hung up on the guy. He got so fat. He hung up, he never hung up on a guest. I remember he, hung, that. he hung up on the guest. <laughs> And I remember I'm in an airport. I was coming back from Boston. And he calls me up and I'm like, I'm getting into the NFT. I said, what? I don't think he even understood it all, except he saw some opportunity here, I think, to do it. Um, and Abe is one of the most, I would say he's 
one of the most aggressive people when it comes to doing new new things in this industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's brilliant at what he does. And I think he he wants to be ahead of the game instead of behind it. I hate calling it a game because it's not a game to me, but yeah, I think he wants to be ahead of of the storytelling in, in cigars. Um I think he's he's the perfect person for it because he really he really knows uh, the marketing side well, and he's he's really great at what he does. So I'm I'm excited to see see how this goes. But I will tell you, I can't go into details, but I will tell you the package that Abe is is putting together for this whole thing is is impressive. He's definitely trying to make sure that the value is there. That's one thing I think I can count on with him on that. Yeah, I, yeah. This I, is not a joke to him. This is like super serious. No, oh, yeah. He just wants. To, he just wants to be ahead of, ahead of it before anybody else. Yep. Yeah. And was anarchy kind and of? And honestly, new? honestly, the the La Florida Minicana people uh, have been really supportive. Even Lito uh, sent me a message and says, "If you need any advice on the NFT thing, let me know." I go, "You need to talk to Abe because I still <laughs> have no clue." <laughs> So your role is kind of just to provide the cigars and the packaging. Um, and... I'm just happy to make the product. I mean, right. that's yeah. again, I don't make shit. The, my father factory makes everything. There's a lot of great employees that do all the hard work, but uh, I have a concept of what I want to put together for the humidors, and hopefully, it represents the whole product that Abe's putting together. Mm-hmm. So it was a no-brainer to do anarchy in this case, right? Yeah, I, I think I think the anarchy line uh, definitely kind of made made the biggest splash as a single store release in this industry, um, yeah. and it's definitely a sought-after cigar. We'll see. I mean, I told Abe like uh, like to me, I don't really care. I I just want people who enjoy it <laughs> like yeah. my my job is not to fuck up the cigar yeah <laughs> no no i'm sure that won't be a, i mean he'll do is, all the magic so is this nft thing a good thing for the industry or a bad thing i don't know i mean you, you gotta question the whole you know crypto exchange thing obviously yeah. um but uh I think collectibles in general in the cigar industry, that's already been established. Right. Uh, Cuba could easily come up with an NFT tomorrow. Yeah. And they would sell millions in dollars. Char- of Char- Charlie mentioned that on Monday. Charlie yeah. mentioned that on Monday, didn't he? Yeah. Charlie was actually yeah. talking about, I wondered if, he would, if Habanos would do it. Yeah. Uh, I think I think for collectors' purposes, um, there's some people that that really really will jump into it. It's not for everybody, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, for for the collector's sake, there's there's value for sure. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's an experiment for me. So yeah. <laughs> I'm just again, I'm happy to make the product. Uh, I, again, I just don't want it to suck. So, no, I'm going to do my best not to suck. <laughs> uh, um, 
No, it's a. I think it's gonna be. I guess it's gonna be pretty uh, fun. I think I'm really curious. Like, I think the Lafleur thing. You could say it created a lot of excitement in the industry. Oh my that. god! Yeah. yeah, Tony, Tony, and and Carney, and all the guys that were involved with that whole project did an amazing job. They came out with a. I love the size of that cigar. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that's like the ultimate perfect size. Um, I I think they did a tremendous job with it. I, I again, I'm still trying to do the math on how people were figuring it out, but uh, wow, yeah, Crazy. you know, I, I asked Carney on Tuesday night about this because I my 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 one critique was, well, you know, the excitement was there till the cigars made it to the retailers, and then I didn't really see it moving quite at the retailers. He he gave me a very good explanation for it. They're they're really trying to position this as a one and a, a one and a kind thing for a very small amount of people. So yeah, I think they're a very high end luxury product. Is, is that how you're envisioning this anarchy as well? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, because, I mean, if you look at, listen, Cohiba is going to continue to make Bihikes and they're selling for 300 pounds a stick. Yep. Um, so technically, the, the Golden Bowl is a deal. Yeah. True. Um, and I, I would guess that the Golden Bowl tastes way better than a Bihike. So. I'll just say that. <laughs> right, right. Um, along those lines, that was the second question I wanted to ask you to wrap up tonight is just some of the pricing things you're seeing happen in the industry right now. Uh, higher price cigars. Um, you know, what do you, I know I'm not really talking about price increases, but a lot of cigars being introduced at higher price points. What what are some of your thoughts on that? Uh, I I think you you uh you talked about it earlier, not earlier in the in our conversation, but a few months ago that you, you suspect that you'll see like a lot of luxury products coming out. Yeah. I think you talked about it on one of your shows. Yep. I do watch by the way. No, I, uh, <laughs> you did watch. I, I, well, I did say it. Yeah. It was a few weeks ago. I said it. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, and I think I, I know a lot of it. I, my theory is I think a lot of people are looking at Cohiba and like, we could do better. And I think that's what they're trying to do. I think, I think there's room for it. Um, the luxury cigar market definitely is a thing. Uh, shit, I, I have a cigar that I make here in Miami that sells in London for 70 pounds a stick. Um, I think, I think there's, there's definitely room for the luxury market. Obviously you gotta, you gotta blame Habanos for making them outrageously expensive. Yeah. Can you, yeah, good. I'm glad you can hear me. Okay. I had to change my AirPods. Um, but I, I think, you know, you see something like the Florida Las, the Florida Las Antillas uh, 10 year anniversary, which is not a regular Florida Las Antillas. It's a celebration of Florida Las Antillas with a completely different blend. You're talking about completely different aged tobaccos, Pelletier tobacco inside the blend. It's it's not your typical Florida Las Antillas. So people were probably shocked by that's yeah, a $10 cigar. Why is it 40? Yeah. Because it's not even the same cigar. I think that you'll end up seeing a Florida Las Antillas in the same realm of the anniversary cigar, but in new sizes in the $20 range. That's, I can't say that from a fact, but I would, I would support it for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, but again, at 20 something dollars, you're stealing the show compared to a $300 Cohiba. Or a sure. five hundred dollar Cohiba, or 
I know some of these 55ths are selling for $1,500 a stick. That's just crazy. Um, so you got to blame, you got to blame Habanos a lot for a lot of this, these crazy things. But I, I launched a, a luxury line of Escasos. I was just asking about that. Yeah. That ranges from 43 to $67 a stick. And I got a lot of pushback at first, but I made them as kind of like an art piece. And th these were my, these were like these cel celebration special cigars that you could only get in small production. And there's a lot of work that goes into them. So they're not for everybody, but there are people out there that that's all they want to smoke. I saw I'll Dennis tell you, I've, I've changed a lot of I've I've changed a lot of people's minds with with things where they were buying Cuban cigars for three hundred pounds and they're smoking a sixty pound cigar from me and they're they're all over it and I'm not making the sixty pound the retailer is selling it for sixty pound by the but by the time it gets to them with all the duties and import and everything it's expensive but there's a market for it. Um, it's not my focus, but I want to have something in that category for sure. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I, I want, I want to, I want people to appreciate the product for what it is and that there is something special about super ultra, you know, small production product. Cause I'm making, I'm making a thousand sticks, you know, shit like that. Right. Yeah. Not a lot. Right. But there's, a, you know, and I think we there's a market for that stuff, as we've kind of said, too. It's a different market than probably most of your regular consumers, but there's a market for that stuff. Dude, why, there's the reason why people only smoke Opus X and Padron, because that's their market. Mm -hmm. Yep. Those are the $25 and $35 cigars that they sit in on a lot of their premiums that they make. And they look at a Tatawai at $10 and they're like, oh, that's a piece of shit. So I'm trying to prove those people wrong by coming out with something on a different scale on a different level. And I think that's really where the Garcias <laughs> did with Florida Las Antillas and the anniversary. It was like, we're not just a, you know, a $10 cigar brand. We make, we can make cigars that are meant to be celebration pieces. <laughs> Yeah. I've been yeah. blown away by the response on on the luxury escasos, the people that I see buying them. And they buy them for a specific purpose. And it's usually like the birth of a baby or, you know, so their kids graduating or there there's room for everything. Is it my focus? No, but it's definitely a piece that I want to continue doing. I always like to give a seat for every ass. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's a lot of guys out there that don't want to sit in the $10 seat. No, it, it makes sense. Like I said, there's a, there's a market for that too. And it's not your focus, certainly. And, you know, like I said, my father, their packaging, what they did on that 40 yeah. is, is amazing. I mean, beautiful. I saw at the trade show. It was amazing. Um, I did, I did procure a few of those. Um, so I got, I got a few of those. Um, Waiting to smoke them, but I, I will be doing that. So, <laughs> Alan Rubin, 70 pounds sounds like a heavy cigar. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Well, you know what's funny? Jay Davis was smoking in the Casos at the TGI Friday's Lounge in, in the airport today. <laughs> oh, Dude, and, and it's funny because we always joke, my wife and I always joke about, you know, pounds are they're way heavier than the euro. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they are. They are. It's, it's, and you know what's crazy about that Florida Los Santillas? The allocation they gave to the international market was a small amount. They sold out. And the international market wants more of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And my, my wife controls that whole allocation. Right. <laughs> so she's, she's like, no, they, they, the humidor cigar that they made, the humidors, the European market wanted more of the humidors uh, than they could supply. Mm. I mean, they only made 75 of them. They yeah. kept five and sold 70. Yeah. I mean, there, there's room for everything. Yeah. Um, it's, you, you can participate in it or you can not, uh, whether or not you can succeed in it, that's the difference. I want to, I want to prove that my hundred dollar cigar is going to be better than a Cohiba Bahigi. That's it. At 300 pounds. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't blame you. Like I said, I don't blame you. Why wouldn't you want to do that? You know, it's confidence in your ability and stuff like that. So, more power to you on that. All right, all right. Um, anything else, Aaron? Uh, we're at the end here. Yeah, I think we're good. All right, Pete. Uh, want to thank. This you is going for- short. What are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Arizona. Yeah, I was come going back to on, two a. Come back I told on Jane Davis. I go, I'll be on two a.m. No, Bear's not on. That's why. <laughs> Uh no. All right. Um just a programming note next week. Um we will have on primetime episode two fifty seven uh Nick Malillo from Foundation Cigar Company will be coming back to the show. So great dude. Be, yeah, great dude. Um we haven't had him in a while. And uh then the week after I'm heading to Pro Cigar and Aaron's heading to TPE. So yep. there'll be no show the week after. Oh, Aaron, you get the TPE, huh? Yep, I get to go to TPE. Yeah, wear your mask. Yeah. <laughs> Who's not there? We'll all be safe. So, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man, I you know I couldn't. Coop, I, I, you're the super spreader. Yeah. No, I'm actually I haven't gotten it yet. So um, <laughs> I know my time's coming. In fact, uh, I didn't wear a mask in Nicaragua much because it was just too damn hot. I'm like, um. So we'll see. Yeah, I don't think you need to. I think you're safer without it. Uh, uh so far I'm so good. I'm just like uh, counting. You know. Counting the blessings. I haven't gotten it yet. So uh, uh, go figure on that. But uh, all right. That's going to wrap up primetime episode 256 into the Isles of history for this Thursday, February 9th. Now Friday, February 10th on the East Coast. We'll catch everybody next time. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. See you guys.